Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Hey, yo. You ready? Let's do it. Ben B. Baby Barnes filling in once again for the P-Man, Phil the Ref Pilkington alongside me on the ones and twos. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, baby. My Celtics got a sweep last night. I know. I know. That's huge. Katie apparently is a bum, according to media, multiple media outlets. He played really well last night. Everybody's overreacting that. He played well this series, but uh, my boy Jason Tatum is locked down on defense of late, and I love it. I don't think it's defense crazy. Defense wins championships, baby. I don't think it's crazy to say this Celtic team has probably the most potential I've seen of recent to win a uh, world title. NBA champion? Probably since, uh, you know, 2010 when they lost in to seven to the Lakers. They remind me of the Heat when they went to the finals, but I think they're better than the Heat when they went in the bubble. Yeah, no, I agree. Either way, moving on from the NBA, loaded show today. We're going to set the scene for NC State and ECU tonight, a little rivalry matchup in Raleigh. Uh, let's get into that a little bit. Forecast in Raleigh right now, not looking too good. Expect some weather delays as there's scattered thunderstorms and showers in the area, as we speak, we have friends down there on the scene seeing a lot of thunder and lightning down there, not looking too good. And uh, later on tonight, up until 7 o'clock, uh, yeah, not looking good at all. It looks like it's getting worse around that point. So expect some weather delays. Uh, Josh Groh is expected to be on the mound. He pitched Sunday about 30 pitches, so we'll see how long he goes 32. tonight. 32 pitches, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we could do a prop bet over and under how many pitches – Josh Gross has tonight if you're a big degenerate gambler. What do you think? I'd say I'd set it at 49 and a half. Does he throw 50 or not? I I'll, think that's a solid I, I'll go. Bet. I'll go innings with you. I'm not okay, be, innings? Yeah, I'll say three innings max. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, w- I would set the over-under of innings at, at two. 2.5. Yeah, two for as sure. To, as to whether or not he even goes out for a third. But I think if he keeps, keeps that pitch count low, uh, you'd like to see him get through the order once, ideally. But, you know... You don't want to tax those bullpen arms for uh, you know this weekend. Absolutely. Big not, series with Cincinnati coming up. Not the most ideal game to what it looks like we're going to have a staff day today. Doesn't seem like the most ideal game to have a staff day, especially against NC State, who's been rolling here of late, even though they came out on the losing end against Louisville. But NC State is the team that's bound for the regionals this year. And uh, not the ideal time to have a staff day, but if that means we can have our – Guys, our go-to guys uh, later on in the weekend for our uh, conference play, I'm all for it. I mean, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, you just got to manage the staff day well. And, and, you know, that's what college baseball managers do. They're used to Tuesday being a staff day. Obviously, you would like to have four starters on your team. You know, we maybe could have had that last year had Mackenzie Gore been required to play college baseball because yeah. you got to think Cooch would have been our fourth guy. It, <laughs> but, um, you know, at the end of the day, they're used to these staff days. It's just you don't want to have anybody not ready to go Friday night because the Cincinnati series will be a big one as these are two teams that are at the top or near the top of the conference. It, it's funny that you brought up Mackenzie Gore because I've been seeing on social media, especially with the ECU baseball fans and the uh, 
the local peeps that keep up with sports, all of a sudden they're claiming Mackenzie Gore like he ever went to ECU. That's crazy. We don't claim Mike Trout. Yeah. I mean, Trout committed here. It's like saying Mike Trout went to ECU. Like, no, that doesn't count. Like, he never, he never, I, he probably never even wore the uniform. No, exactly. Yeah. However, we do need to, like, create a time machine, go back in time, find a way to make it where you're required to play college baseball. Because we would have had Trout and supposedly Bryce Harper yeah. in the same outfield. I, and Bryce Harper had, might be a stretch a little well, bit. Well, he, though. yeah, I know. That's more of a stretch. I mean, Trout actually committed here. Yeah. Harper said that he would have come here. Um, as far as I don't the, believe that. Yeah, yet. who knows? But I mean, you got to think our pitching staff last year would have been Gavin Williams, Carson Wisenhunt, and Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Cooch would have been your fourth guy. I mean, the guy who saw a perfect game in college baseball would be against a power five opponent, would be your fourth guy. He still might not be, like, the best. Well, I guess if he's a fourth guy, but if we're talking Sunday starters, if he ends up being a Sunday starter with those guys here, he still not be not be might not be the best Sunday starter in the country or in the conference because you got that guy Cameron By at Wichita State, who I don't understand why he's not a Friday night starter for Wichita State, came over to Greenville and had a .39 ERA and just absolutely unloaded on us. I mean, that's insane. What are they thinking? I think it was probably one of those things. It's college baseball managers – try not to move guys up. They're used to that whole seven days rest thing, and they try not to move guys up, especially from Sunday to Friday. Yep. Maybe one week you move them to Saturday and the following week up to Friday. But they view that as short rest. So it's almost sometimes it seems like when a guy starts out as a Sunday starter, if he's he's dealing well on Sundays, they don't always move him up to Friday. I don't totally agree with it, but obviously these people that have been around college baseball a lot longer than I have. They know more the way than we they, do. Yeah, they know more than we do. Yeah. And it's something they've kind of always done. So it doesn't I guess surprise me entirely. I guess is my uh, my point there. Also scheduled for today, we have uh, legendary former ECU baseball head coach, the all-time winningest head coach in ECU baseball history, Coach O. Scheduled for our next segment. Uh, we spoke with him a little bit earlier on today. He'll be on the call tonight at six forty-five, I believe, starting right here on ninety-four through the game. Yeah, well, weather permitting, but supposed weather to be six forty-five. Yeah. Him and our guy Scooter. Yeah. So hopefully That's- everything works out there in Raleigh. Yeah. Also, little it's draft week. Plenty of draft talk. Uh, we got some prop bets that we need to go over here. Uh, they're thinking a lot of tackles are going in the first round, and uh, obviously a lot of quarterbacks, but we've seen recent drafts where like four or five get taken. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the year where that happens, but we'll see. I mean, now we're hearing that Matt Corral, a guy that uh, leading up even to a couple of months ago, everyone thought was going to be a second rounder. Same with Sam Howell. Now it's seeming like they're going to sneak in later in the first round. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe that might be a legit prop bed that you might want to put some money on if you can gamble, if it's legal. Entertainment purposes only. Yeah, yeah. Not that we're promoting you to do illegal things here. But I was about to, I was about to make a comment on that, but I think I will get to that once we get save to it. that segment. Save it. Yep. Yeah. As Patrick always says show to my me hand. before the show, save it for the show. Yeah, save it for the show, and then he forgets to talk about it, but you know how it is. <laughs> A little bit later on as well, we continue our draft talk with uh, there was an awkward, weird list uh, that CBS put out. Let me see who the writer was here. Brian Diardo, never heard of him, but he's a CBS sports writer for their website. He ranked the number one overall draft picks, the best ones from 22 to 1 since 2000 um, in the NFL draft. And uh, just a bizarre, a bizarre list here. I, I'm going to imagine a lot of hot takes. A lot of shouting matches, screaming matches, or maybe a lot of fun, maybe a lot of agreeing, but uh, there's bound to be some disagreements here, especially when it comes to my boy Baker Mayfield and where he falls on this list. 
So what I'm hearing about this guy who made this list is... Oh, brother, this guy stinks! Thank you. Thank you. I love that drop. I think that's very fitting because this guy is all over the place. I'll put it this way. He nailed the 22nd. 22nd is the worst pick since... Uh, the, or in the 21st century since 2000, and I think he nailed that, and I think it's pretty obvious. Too, well, I think if you get that one wrong, you're just a moron. Yeah, absolutely. But his 21st pick, maybe, I don't know. We'll, I haven't even we'll seen see, Everybody's sitting here going, what is this? Ben has not showed any of this to the list. By the way, we have intern Noah and intern Chris in I here apologize. today. And you didn't even give them a shout-out, but I, they are going to be I, chiming I, in on this fails. segment, definitely. And I, or I think if they want to, they're going to be chiming in on this segment. And uh, they do not know who number 21 is. I do not know who number 21 is. Only Ben knows who number 21 is. It's interesting. It's interesting. We'll get to is it Is it like Andrew on. Luck or something? No. Okay. Andrew I was going to say, please yeah. say they did not put Andrew Luck on there as a bust. I mean, he got hurt, but come on. I think there's some busts up there that are like in the top 10. Straight up in the top ten on this list, so we'll 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 get into that a little bit later on in the uh, in the second Oof. hour. By the you way, Cam Newton's in the top ten. I mean, he was a bust, right? I think he's in the top ten. Me personally, yeah, he I'm not saying is. He, he probably is. is. That's true. He's yeah. only a bust when he gets to the Super Bowl and yeah. somebody fumbles. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't go as far as to say he was a bust, but I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad number one overall pick since 2000. Definitely not. I, I think he deserves to uh, stay in there in the top ten, but uh, we'll see what this guy Brian Diardo says. Who Philip believes stinks. Well, I believe stinks. And uh, obviously, we're going to preview the game tonight. Maybe a little bit of NBA playoffs talk. We'll try to keep it at a minimum. But getting into the news of the day, let's start with the Carolina Panthers. A great move finally when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. Finally, some good news. Brian Burns' fifth-year option picked up, and I think the big question with that. Does that mean he's pretty much a lock when it comes to trade talks that he's not going to be involved in any kind of trade if there's a trade to be made? I say no. Yeah, I don't think he will either. No, no, I say no. This is not a lock that he will not be traded. Oh, okay. Because, and I I may be wrong about this, but if you pick up the fifth-year option, I believe, and it's already signed that you're going to do it, and then you trade a guy, I think the other team has to stick with that fifth-year option. So... A lot of guys don't want to trade for somebody on the last year of their deal, but if he then has two years left on his deal, he becomes better trade bait. I, so that may be the reason. Not saying that's the reason they did it, no. but I don't think that makes it where he's definitely not being traded. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad take at all. I think if a fifth-year option is picked up, especially if a player of the caliber of Brian Burns, who didn't he make his first Pro Bowl this year? No, the Pro Bowl doesn't matter, but still, you don't, you're not a bum if you make the Pro Bowl either way, but... Yeah, I think that's more attractive for a trade suitor that at least the fifth-year option is picked up and uh, you believe them enough to pick up a fifth-year option. But I think he's here to stay. He, I think Fitter has said before he's untouchable, and I tend to believe him. Yeah, I mean, if you know, that is the one guy that they did say was untouchable. Obviously, there were times that you know mock trades happened and he was in them. But I guess my thing is, I guess, whatever their mindset was as to whether or not he was tradable or not, I don't think it has been changed solely due to the fact they picked up a fifth-year option. I think if he was untradeable, he's still untradeable. Yeah. If he was not untradeable, he is still not untradeable. It would be my guess. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, furthermore, in the Panthers, latest reports indicate by some pretty credible sources that a quarterback is pretty much a go for the Panthers in the draft. Uh, we can get into it, most likely for the Panthers when it comes to picking a quarterback in the draft. Who's the guy? Well, if they go in the first round, my guess is, from what I've heard, it's going to be Kenny Pickett. Yeah. But 
could you see one of those things where they draft a guy later and then, you know, it's crapshoot, I guess, if you draft a guy in the fourth round, yeah. which sounds not very attractive. But, hey, I mean, Russell Wilson was like a day, late day two, early day three pick, something like that. Dak was taken in the fourth round, so you yeah. never know. Fair enough. I, I'll be fond of Corral or Sam Howell if you find a way to trade down or uh, maybe sneak into the early second round. But, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be Kenny Pickett. Even just looking at the pro day, I mean, they even came up to look at his hands. Like, they were infatuated with Kenny Pickett's hands, which were apparently the reports indicated that his hands were really small, like that ever matters. They said the same thing about Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray, and it seems to be working pretty well for them. So, even though I'm not a big Kyler Murray guy. Well, there's always going to be something with somebody. I mean, when you look at, you know, the past, they said that Elway – through too hard that he that he didn't have touch they said that you know montana was too small they said breeze was too small they said that you know uh i'm leaving somebody oh they said peyton didn't have the arm strength to throw the deep ball i mean it goes on and on there's always going to be a knock on some guy you just got to figure out well they want to believe that kyler murray was going to go and play baseball if you remember the lead up into that draft i mean he was taking top 10 in the mlb draft so i think the better investment is football at this point when you talk about trajectory of each league moving forward, I think you got to stick with football. Well, I think it comes down to it's easier to make it to the bigs in football. No, not saying it's easier, but yep. once you get drafted, there's a better chance of playing on NFL roster than there is playing on MLB roster because there's so many ladders, you know, steps of the ladder you have to climb. However, if it's just the most money you can make, obviously you can make more money playing baseball. Yeah, because I mean, look at what Mike Trout's making compared to whoever the highest-paid NFL player is, I guess Deshaun Watson. Well, heck, after what they paid Deshaun, it might be about the same. Wrapping it up with the Washington Commanders here, I know we have a lot of Washington Commanders fans. That sounds so weird to say. I... This well, What we can say is we know that this was Redskin country for a long time, and yeah. there's still a lot of fans loyal to the Burgundy and Gold. Big news out of them today besides the lawsuits, which I'm not going to get into. I mean, honestly, I don't care about that. I mean, you probably shouldn't care either, but Darren Payne. Uh, former first overall pick, fifth-year option not getting picked up. And uh, I don't think this comes as a surprise. Wasn't terrible with Washington. Uh, his tackle numbers were always in the high 50s, the uh, early 60s. Uh, averaged about three sacks a year. Um, not great, but uh, not bad at all. But when you look at their depth at defensive tackle and the defensive line in general, you got guys like Jonathan Allen and Chase Young, among many others. Montez Sweat is another guy. I mean, doesn't come by as a surprise at all. And does this mean, do the Washington football team maybe look at getting a defensive lineman in the first round of the draft? You know, I don't know, but like you just said, that's they're very deep there. Yep. So it wouldn't surprise me if they don't. However, you know, the first round is man, take the best available. So you got to see who's there at. I don't. I don't even know what their pick is. It was like twelve or something. Yep. Well, they just gave Jonathan Allen a massive deal, and then when you look at Carson Wentz, I mean that's not a cheap deal itself. So they had to free up some cap space. And uh, Darren Payne, he seems like the odd man out. So it makes a whole lot of sense. I don't think it comes as a surprise. I don't think Washington Commanders fans are too upset about it at all. Anyways, that's gonna do it here for uh, our initial segment here, kind of previewing things. On the other side of this quick timeout, our conversation earlier today of Coach O as he'll be on the call later tonight for ECU's matchup against NC State. First pitch is scheduled for 7 o'clock. You can hear live play-by-play and pre-game coverage beginning at 645 right here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Immediately following the show, this is the Patrick Johnson Show. 
those articles and what's going on in the Pirate Nation. I thought that's what Facebook updates were for. Like and comment on 94.3 The Game's Facebook page right now. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Texas Roadhouse in Greenville is happy to support the community. At Texas Roadhouse, they not only want to be your favorite restaurant, they also want you to know they love this community and love supporting it. From providing food for charity golf tournaments to their school support programs, Texas Roadhouse is there when the Greenville community needs them. Also, it doesn't hurt that their food is awesome. Steaks, ribs, chicken, you name it, it's legendary. Texas Roadhouse, Southwest Greenville Boulevard, Greenville. Just three words tell you everything you need to know. They tell you why we employ more than 2,000 workers at our factory in Virginia Beach and why over 10,000 local steel dealers are putting battery power in the hands of Americans. Just three words. Made in America. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. The majority of steel products sold in America are made in America of U.S. and foreign materials. Batteries and chargers are sourced internationally. Hi, Bobby. Hey, Sarah. The usual. This is the last time I'm coming here for coffee. I'm on a budget now. One sec. Cold brew for Blake. It's Jake from State Farm. Sarah, don't give up what you love. State Farm has policy options to get you a surprisingly great rate. Good. I need my iced oat milk latte with caramel and cinnamon on top. Girl, me too. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. In a world where a single touch can threaten the surfaces of your home, there's Microband 24. Just one spray bites bacteria all day. Bacteria incoming. Shields up, defenders. When used as directed, Microband 24 sanitizing spray forms a defensive shield that keeps killing 99.9% of bacteria for up to 24 hours. Touch after touch. Threat eliminated. Microband 24. Don't just sanitize it. Microband it. Now spraying in a store near you. An important message from Byram Healthcare. If you live with diabetes, you know how challenging and painful it can be to manage your blood sugar. With private insurance, Medicare, or Medicaid, that can all change. If you test your blood sugar four or more times a day and inject insulin three or more times a day, you may qualify to receive at little or no cost, less copays and deductibles, a continuous glucose monitor, providing blood sugar readings with no uncomfortable finger sticks. and alert you in real time to potential spikes with your blood sugar levels. Byram Healthcare is a leading U.S. provider of continuous glucose monitors. We carry most major brands and will work with your insurance to get your benefits approved. So if you have diabetes, call a U.S.-based Byram Healthcare specialist now and see if you qualify. 800-914-2037. 800-914-2037. That's 800-914-2037. Your home of the ECU Pirates, Dan Patrick and Adam Gold, 94.3 The Game, Eastern Carolina's home for sports. And now, back to the P-Man. Back, back, back. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Barm filling in for the P-Man. I am always happy to be joined by the legendary 
Dr. Gary P. Overton. I was told to call you that by our guy, Casey. Is that a fitting introduction there? Well, we'll, we'll certainly accept that, and thanks so much. You're very kind, Ben. Absolutely. It's always a good time when you're in the studio. You're such a positive presence. It always makes my day when you're around. So let's get right into it, Coach O. Coming into the series this past weekend, it was built by many as probably the most important series for each team that they would play this year. Despite the fact that D1 Baseball and many other media outlets have the AAC as a one big league going into it, which means that they think whoever wins the conference title or the conference championship in Clearwater in a few weeks will get a bid. They get an automatic bid. And uh, you've been on the committee. You've seen how it works. Do you believe this is a one-bid conference? And why was this series so important if all the baseball media outlets believe it comes down to the conference championship? It, is it because it's a confidence booster for either team who wins to finish out the rest of the year and make some noise, or what's the deal there? No, really think, Ben, that uh, as a team goes through the season, any, any team uh, that's uh, affiliated with a conference, uh, as that team goes through a season, uh, the primary objective is to win the regular season title. Now, you, you have some rivalries. There's no question about that. You Absolutely. have many, many, many non-conference rivalries. And then there are some clubs that want to beat others worse than uh, the original team. But um, conference championships are really – you like to call them a feather in the cap or uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, something to hang your hat on. It's it, it's uh, it, it's what players aspire to do. And so uh, when teams like Tulane, UCF, and ECU are vying for that crown, uh, it's really important to go into a conference tournament with that in hand. Now you say, well, uh, what good does that do? One, uh, you're crowned a champion uh, before reaching that conference tournament. So that's a very important. Now, as to this being a possible one-bid league, um, it's very possible. But at the same time, it's uh, uh, it, it's probably not going to happen uh, because Tulane, ECU, the, the team that does not win the league, unless they have a really poor finish, uh, looks to be on track to be in. So uh, it could happen. It could be a one-bid league, but at this point, uh, don't see that happening. But, again, a lot of baseball left in the American. Absolutely. A lot can change. I think when I was looking at D1 baseball coming into this series, they had ECU in, so they projected them to win the conference title. And then Tulane was kind of the first one out when it came to the selection. So, I mean, it, it very well could be possible. But let's get a little bit more into the series as a whole. Coming in, you knew Tulane could be dangerous, but they had an all-freshman starting rotation that had struggled as of late in their recent series. Pitching staff might have not have been as strong as we've seen in recent years with Tulane. What did you see from a relatively inexperienced Green Wave pitching staff that showed they have some good stuff at times? It's just a matter of putting things together and being consistent. And I think a lot of that could be said for uh, the Pirates rotation and pitching staff as well. Well, game one, I think uh, Pirates uh, just couldn't score enough early. Yep. Uh, and, and so that's a credit to the pitching of, uh, of Tulane. Uh, but it was their offense that generated enough uh, to keep the Pirates down early in the game and, and make it so difficult to come back. Uh, in Game 3, a little bit different because as the Pirates started coming back, Tulane would answer. And as the Pirates came back again, Absolutely. Tulane would answer. And, and that's the mark of a good club is that a team that can answer after one scores. Uh, so very important. And, and it's important for the psyche of the, the team that's leading at that particular time. Absolutely, and uh, getting a little bit more into Tulane's hitting, when you look at Tulane's lineup, one guy who stands out on paper and in person watching their games is their leadoff hitter, Ethan Groff. He's batting 413, 59 hits, 9 home runs, 
34 RBIs. There's a case to be made that this guy could be the conference player of the year. What stood out to you about Groff, and do you believe there's something to the idea that people are deeming him the conference player of the year so far? Well, I think that's a little too early. And uh, Absolutely. Uh, I agree. <laughs> when, uh, uh, when you look at guys like him, what, what stands out is his power in addition to the average. When you see a guy that's just a pure hitter, but he also has power too, uh, that guy is really dangerous and, and certainly deserves consideration for player of the year. Uh, but let's, let's not forget the leadoff guy at Wichita State, really good hitter in his own right too, yep. a player very much like uh, um, Groff. But uh, it, it's, a, um, it, it's a, a matter of um, who's hot at the right time, how they finish, how they play well as to who will garner that Player of the Year award. But uh, uh, I really like this Tulane leadoff guy. Uh, same thing with the, with the player at Wichita State. And, and I think you're going to look around the league and see some very good hitters. When you look at the top guy in each order, you're seeing something special. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at that whole two-lane lineup, uh, something that wasn't really talked about coming into that game is how much power they have throughout that lineup. And we definitely saw it in that Pirates series, specifically in Game 3. Like you said, whenever the Pirates had a off- off- good off- offensive output and they got a run, it seemed like Tulane responded the very next inning. So definitely difficult to keep up with, and uh, Tulane can definitely make some noise in this conference. But moving on to a big game tonight against NC State and Raleigh, the Wolfpack come up. On the short end in their series against Louisville this past weekend, dropping two out of three games. This is a team who we've played in a cold, brutal game earlier in the season, Clark LeClaire. It was really cold, Coach O. Pirates dropped that one at home two to nothing. State has had a really good year so far, 25 and 13, 11 and 9 in conference in the ACC, which is a really tough conference this year. You're going to see multiple bids from that uh, conference when it comes to uh, selecting who goes to regionals and who's going to host. But uh, what about head coach Elliot Avent's coaching style makes them a tough out no matter who they're playing in the country? What about them has them really going this year? Well, you go back to that 2 nothing loss uh, earlier in the year, and you're, you're exactly right. Uh, NC State had a chance to put that game away several times, and the Pirates just disallowed. Uh, in so doing, uh, the Pirates just couldn't muster any offense at all during that game. And yet... Uh, NC State, as you mentioned, Elliot Avent, a really, really good coach. Uh, at, at times, he got away from uh, the small element of play, and he was just letting players bang it. Yep. Uh, but now he's kind of moved back into the realm of, of a purest form of baseball. Uh, he will move runners when the time comes. And um, his teams, in general, uh, have, have risen to the occasion when needed. Uh, let's go back to last year when no one thought anyone could beat Arkansas. Absolutely. And he not only goes down to Louisiana Tech and uh, gets his team playing really well to win a regional. Uh, they match up with the uh, with the Razorbacks, lose game one, and of course all are assuming that Arkansas is on the way to Omaha and NC State. Uh, a couple of close games said no. That's not the way it works. And, and yeah. uh, his style of coaching, he can get his players to believe that they're really good at the right time, and play with a lot of confidence. They were doing so at the end of the year last year and uh, could have gone far further in the uh, College World Series. As we know, they had to be shut down. Well, yeah. If you ask Wolfpack fans, they won the national championship <laughs> by default. But moving on to a guy, you mentioned Elliot Avon letting guys bang every once in a while, let them really hit it out of the park. Moving on to a guy that's getting some national acclaim. You can't talk about the Wolfpack without bringing up Tommy White. 
He's batting 365, a whopping 18 home runs so far this season, 53 RBIs. He's been fantastic and one of the best power guys in the country. When you face a guy like that with your coaching experience, how do you tell your guys to kind of keep him quiet and work around him? And what's the game plan? And when you just look at that lineup in a, as a whole with the Wolfpack in general, a lot of very solid hitters that can change the ball game at any moment. Yeah, first and foremost, it's a team hitting 299. Yep. And with that, any team that hits around the 300 mark is really, really good this year. Um, you mentioned 18 home runs. Um, by Tommy White, but uh, more so than that, slugging percentage of 743. Uh, he's a guy that's going to do a lot of damage to you one way or another. Now, back in Greenville earlier in the year, a couple of quiet hits, one of those a double, and uh, for all practical purposes, uh, it felt as if we had held him in check, yet he had two hits and one for extra bases. So he's a guy that's going to do damage to you. You used the term, how do you pitch around him, or, or what do you do? Uh, obviously, so much better if a base is open yep. or if uh, the score dictates that you can not let him hurt you at the plate. But uh, you have to do that. You have to be really careful. Pitchers not only have to hit their spots, but you have to be not afraid to put a guy like that on because his numbers show that even quietly he can really hurt yep. you. And I like how you brought up Tommy White kind of looking quiet in that first game against ECU. I had the same impression. I thought it was crazy, and it was a hot take. Uh, Tommy White was 3-4 for four in that game. I don't think he necessarily blew me away or anything of his performance. It seemed like the Pirates are giving him a lot of stuff. I think we definitely need to control that and keep that to a bare minimum in this game coming in, especially when it's in an important port or an important point in the season for the Pirates. Yeah, you look at a speedster, or you look at sometimes a flyer, and you say, well, we have to keep this guy off the bases. And yep. have, but that's not the case with Tommy White. Sometimes you actually want to give him a base yep. in order to not let him give you four, or to take four, I should say. Okay. And um, White is the kind of player that, with his bat, he can be an RP, uh, RBI uh, producer uh, with just one swing. And, and – yeah, he, he's the kind of guy that you, yeah, you, you not only have to be careful with, but you have to pick and choose the spots to pitch to. Absolutely. And a lot has been made about NC State's hitting, of course. But I think one thing that was unappreciated about uh, the Wolfpack's team, specifically coming into that ECU game previously in the year, is that they've been lights out this time, at times this year with their pitching. They've really thrived in that game against ECU. Guys that come to mind are guys like Cannon Silver, Carson Kelly, Garrett Payne, among many others who have been really good. What have you seen that makes them so effective, and what do you like about their game when it comes to their pitching staff? Well, first of all, they like to get their pitchers to a certain spot in the game. Yep. Uh, we, we saw a starter uh, back in Greenville who only went three innings, but they were trying to turn it over the, to their bullpen just to get to their closer. Uh, Villerman, and uh, he's he's a good one, really good one, and he showed that in Greenville when he uh, he he shut down the Pirates in the ninth inning. But getting to the ninth is a big issue for NC State, and they had to play it that way in different segments. Now, yep. in their conference series, they play a little different. They want the, the obviously anyone would want your starter to go at any length. In other words, if they could take you eight or nine, good. But yep. uh, five or six is nice. And uh, uh, so their plans are a little different in midweek action. We'll see that tonight.
Absolutely, and focusing more on the parts themselves. They're kind of at a strange spot in the season in a three-way tie for first in the conference. Faced a lot of adversity this year. Lost some tough ones in a strong non-conference schedule, and they dropped a tough series this past weekend. With your experience as the all-time winningest coach in ECU baseball history, when your team is this late in the season or on the outside looking in of a regional bid, it's looking like they may have to win the conference. How do you keep the guys motivated, and what's the approach moving forward? Well, one is to be as positive as, as you can be. There's no question. And yet at the same time, you have to try to find avenues for the players to not think about having to win a tournament. In other words, uh, the Pirates are at the point of the season now. We have three series in the conference coming up at home. So there'll be a lot of home games and also not the, the tough part of the schedule within the conference, that being behind them. Yep. So with that being said, uh, staying positive, just trying to accumulate some wins and slowly creep that RPI up just a little bit. But uh, the, the big thing is to stay positive at, in terms of um, what a player is doing, how the team is performing, and, and uh, keep finding that sense of urgency game by game by game. Got you, got you. Wrapping it up here for legendary ECU baseball head coach, Dr. Gary Overton, just give me your quick keys to the game coming in tonight's contest against NC State. Well, uh, the offense, you, you spoke about Tommy White, and he's not the only one. Uh, a team hitting near 300 yep. um, can put some runs on the board. They have a lot of guys. Exactly. I think offense is going to be a bigger part of this game than people realize. Uh, the Pirates are playing very well. Multiple home runs at Tulane this past weekend. And with the bats in their hand, uh, Pirates can match the Wolfpack blow for blow. Uh, I don't think a slugfest is what ECU wants. No. But at the same time, I think scoring runs, uh, and, and the Pirates do such a good job of scoring runs by way of base running, moving runners, and of recently – uh, of recent games to out hitting, timely hitting, in so doing, yeah, I think the Pirates can get that done as long as the pitchers stay within themselves and do what they're capable of. Well, hey, thanks. It's great to have you on, Coach. Always a pleasure to have you in the studio and talk to a legend such as yourself. You on the call tonight? Yes, absolutely. Uh, awesome, awesome. Always a good time. Well, I say it's always a good day when you get to stop by and talk baseball with Coach O. We're just having a normal conversation with you. It always makes my day. Always makes my day when I talk to Coach O. Thank you very much, my friend. Thanks so much, Ben. That was Coach O here on the Patrick Johnson Show. You can hear him later tonight starting at 645 as they have pregame coverage between NC State and ECU. Current word from our guy Scott Scooter Rogers, or just Scooter as you know him, uh, the current play-by-play -play guy for ECU, he says that there is tarp currently on the field and there is rain. Still expect to start at 7 o'clock. No delays as of yet, so stay tuned for live updates on that as we head later on to the show. Coming up on this next segment, we get into draft week, draft talk. Prop bets have released for the draft Thursday night. And a lot of interesting prop bets we can get into. We're going to do a little uh, NFL roundtable coming up with intern Chris and intern Noah. On the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. At the Vidant Wellness Centers, happy starts with healthy. And we all need a little happy and a lot of healthy. 
That's why we offer exercise equipment and classes. I know. They're into pools and personal training, too. And more wellness services. Like nutrition and yoga. With no annual commitments or hidden fees. Zip, zilch, nada. Because here, it's more than a gym membership. It's a happy, healthy relationship. Sign up today at VidantWellnessCenter.com and... Don't forget to bring a friend. <laughs> Bill Clark Holmes is proud to support East Carolina Athletics. The Clark family continues to make significant contributions to help ECU succeed on the field. And Bill Clark Holmes is building quality homes in Pitt County with prices ranging from the 200s on up to 500,000. They're excited to announce the opening of their 4,000 square foot design center this spring. The new Bill Clark Holmes Design Center is located on the corner of Red Banks Road and Greenville Boulevard. Bill Clark Holmes, building family traditions i can walk again i can cross my legs again i can wear heels again after years of living with chronic joint pain andrea southard is now living a normal life pain-free thanks to natural biologic treatments at qc kinetics we tried everything and my husband had heard the commercial for qc kinetics on the radio and he told me to call him and check it out that phone call changed andrea's life QC Kinetics used powerful natural biologics to treat her aching joints. It's high-tech precision medicine that can restore and repair damaged joint tissue with no surgery and no drugs, providing lasting relief. I felt like I was in my 20s again. I could tie my own shoes. Really the little things that you don't think about. Pain in your hips, knees, back, shoulders? Get rid of the pain now. Call QC Kinetics. 252-765-PAIN. That's 252 765 7246 QC Kinetics 252-765-PAIN April is National Safe Digging Month. 811 is the first step to getting your buried underground utilities like gas, electric, or internet lines located. Having these lines marked before digging helps keep you, your family, and your neighborhood safe. Play it safe when you plan on digging and call or click 811 three working days before you dig. Learn more at nc811.org. Sponsored by North Carolina 811 and the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters in cooperation with the station. More than one million North Carolina adults never completed college. At UNC Greensboro, we believe excellence in education changes lives. That's why we provide paths to prosperity for more first-generation and lower-income students than any other public university in the state. We build the nurses and healthcare professionals, teachers and social workers, business owners and artists that make North Carolina better for all. Find your prosperity here. Visit prosperity.uncg.edu. Sponsored by UNC Greensboro and the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters in cooperation with the station. Pirate basketball lives right here. Right here. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Yeah, suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Oh, man, oh, man. Oh, man, man, you know Phil I Perez, Sometimes here. I laugh, I forgot Johnson about show. how We got the NFL me. roundtable for the next few seconds. I'm joined by intern Chris, yeah. intern Noah. And let's get into these prop bets here that I'm looking at Vegas. If you stand out, let's just get right into it. Offensive linemen taking in the first round. They got it over under seven and a half. I'm going right now under. Like, maybe four guys come to mind when I think linemen in the first round. I'm thinking the guy out of NC State. Thinking Charles Cross, who I'm thinking might be the first lineman off the board. It's looking like as we get closer to the draft. 
Evan Neal, and then I'm sure there's somebody else I'm missing. But four kind of come to mind. I, seven, I think, is a little bit of a stretch. Maybe in the later rounds there's some guys. But these quarterbacks kind of sneak in in later mock drafts, and the team's getting interested in guys like Sam Howell and Matt Corral, and then you got guys like Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and uh, among others that are expected to be taken in the first round. Uh, I think the quarterbacks are kind of going to overshadow the tackles in this draft. And uh, I'm going under when it comes to 7.5 on offensive linemen taking the first round. Let's throw it over to Phillip here. No, I agree. I think maybe there's you know seven or eight guys that are first-round talents. But a lot of times when you see a guy at the back end of the first round, um, a lot of teams think that they could still get him yep. early in the second round, and they have no problem trading back. And um, some of these teams that are, you know, early second round picks may trade up and take something a little more sexy, like a quarterback or a corner or something like that. And I think that will, you know, eliminate some of these offensive linemen taken in the first round. In turn, Chris. Yeah, uh, I, I don't really think it's it'll be over seven for the uh, offensive linemen. I do like Kayvon out of NC State and Evan Neal. I think they're really good, and I could see them going pretty early. But as far as, like, seven tackles or seven offensive linemen going in the first round, I'm, I'm with you. I really just don't see that. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Noah? Definitely hammering the under. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that's easy money, but you never know on draft night. I never thought Mitchell Trubisky – would have been a second overall pick. I mean, I didn't even see first-round talent when it came to Mitch Trubisky. So. Well, you were right about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes. I, well, I thought the same about Mahomes. It's like Mahomes, third-round talent at best. And they yeah. traded up to get him at 10, and he ended up working out. So. Watching his college highlights, I wouldn't think uh, by any means that he would – I mean, he obviously looked good, but I didn't think he would be like the superstar that he has come out to be from just his college highlights either. The problem with Mahomes in college is he had a tendency to just scramble when things didn't immediately go his way. It seemed like he made one read and just took off, and I'm sure Phillip has some thoughts on that. And that's kind of what made me a little bit hesitant on Mahomes, but that might have been just because of the team around him. Texas Tech ain't necessarily SEC-level talent. You know what? It might be a Cliff Kingsbury thing. I mean, look maybe at what so, Kyler yeah. Murray's doing now. So exactly. maybe this is just Cliff Kingsbury junkie quarterback. At play. least Pat Mahomes grew out of it, but he has a legendary head coach in Andy Reid. But moving on, this is another one that kind of came to mind. Texas used the Texans used first draft pick on an offensive lineman. Obviously, they traded Laramie Tunsil, their stud offensive tackle, a couple of years ago to Miami. And uh, basically, what this is saying is, do you believe in Davis Mills or not? And does, do the Texans believe in Davis Mills or not? And I think if he was not the best rookie quarterback last year, I think he was definitely number two. I'm sure people would disagree with me there. But I think people heavily underlooked Davis Mills last year. I think he had two 300-yard passing or 300 passing yard games with three touchdowns. I mean, no other rookie quarterback had that. Um, he showed a lot of promise. I think you run with him, especially in a draft that does have a lot of quarterbacks that are projected to go in the first round. But I don't think the talent is necessarily there when it comes to quarterbacks in this draft. Let's say you, Phillip. Well, as far as this bet goes, I, I would probably take it. It's plus 180 yep. um, because I do think they draft a quarterback at some time. But like you said, Davis Mills played so well, I don't see them taking one in the first round. Yep. Now, if one of these two defensive linemen, for some reason, fall to them at three. And I could see that. Like, if, if Hutchinson, that's his, is it Hutchinson or Hutchison? Yeah, it's, it's Hutchinson. From, yeah, from, from Michigan, somehow falls at three, say somebody trades up to get a quarterback or something, then they would possibly take them. Or they would definitely probably take him, but I think at plus 180 for them to get it off the line is probably pretty good value. Probably going to be Evan Neal, right? 
Yeah, you would think so. I don't know. Chris has done a lot of the mock drafts, not wanting to skip over Noah and no, make fine. Noah yeah. always go uh, last. But. Kayvon at NC State has been uh, the top offensive lineman on all the mock drafts that I've read. It looks like uh, he's going to be one of the better ones. Is that his name? Kayvon like, Thibodeau. I, 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 I was hesitant Oregon. to – Oregon. He's from Oregon. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there you yeah go. the guy from uh, State's got a like a it's wacky like name too. It's like Way. Iguana. Yeah, yeah I knew it was yeah. some kind of name that yeah. was hard to pronounce him. and Just yeah. call him the State Lineman. I think everyone would be okay with that, especially on the ECU show. So you're going yes or no on that when it comes to Texas using their first draft pick on an offensive Yeah, line. I think Mills is underrated. I don't know if I put him top two in the rookies like you did, but I definitely think he's underrated and yep. that they can build around him. So I'm going to say yes, they go offensive lineman to help him out. Looking back, that probably was a hot take because I still think Trevor Lawrence is top two to me. Even though he didn't have the best year, he took a lot of risk. I think he was trying things out, seeing what he could get away with. I think it's between him and Mac Jones and then maybe Davis Mills. I'm not so high on Justin Fields or any other guy that got taken in the first round last I'd year. I'd put Mills over Fields. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, 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 yeah for sure. Don't Absolutely. tell Casey. <laughs> we'll get into that tomorrow. Casey will be with us tomorrow, and I'm sure there will be some shouting and screaming matches. But intern Noah, Texans use first draft pick on an offensive lineman, yes or no? Yeah, I'll take that one. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I mean, I could see it for sure. Um I, I, I don't we need to let Noah go first after you next. We're saying, yeah. we're taking everything, and he's like, well, dang, I'm just stuck saying yes We should now. just do a bit where there's a big drum roll reveal for Noah, and then it's just like, yeah, well, we'll take him. We'll just go in reverse order. <laughs> we'll do it snake, so we'll let Noah go first next time, and then Chris second, and then me, and then we'll go back, you know. I will say, I mean, the the the, the prop bets do heat up, and I'm sure we'll have better takes there, but these are kind of middle-of-the-pack whatever kind of prop bets. We're easing our way in there. All right, here's another one. That might uh, we might disagree on this one. We've agreed on all of them so far. It seems like, but quarterbacks taken in the first round, over under three, and it's uh, minus one twenty. I'm saying, over hammer the over. I'm thinking Corral for sure. I'm thinking Pickett for sure. I'm thinking Willis for sure. And who's the other guy, Philip? I'm forgetting somebody Sam else. Sam Howell. Sam Howell. Yeah, Desmond Ritter is pretty high up there. I, I think that's insane, too. Desmond Ritter, a first-rounder, I, I say no-go there. Just seeing him in person twice, no. No-go on Desmond Ritter going first-round. But I could definitely see it. I'm not dismissing your point. I'm just saying, if I'm an NFL GM, I'm avoiding Desmond Ritter in the first round. He seems like a project, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hammering the over. Let's say you, Phillip. Oh, well, yeah, let's go to yeah, Noah. Let's go I to Noah. Go first. I always yeah. get to go first. Let's go bad. to Noah. I don't have too much to add on this one, but, yeah, I'll take the over. Over. Okay, well, we'll see it. Yeah, there's plenty of quarterbacks that uh, people are liking, GMs are high on. So, yeah, not a bad take at all. Let's say you, Phillip. Oh, I I definitely want to take the over. I don't think there's, you know, four guys that are first-round talent probably. But like we said earlier, quarterbacks are more of a sexy pick. Guys will trade up into the first round to get quarterbacks. Yep. You know, it's, it happens every year that guys trade up, to, you know, or teams trade up to get quarterbacks. Or they overvalue quarterbacks. They overvalue quarterbacks. I mean, even sometimes teams with late first-round picks in the past have traded up, uh, you know, go back to Denver when they traded up to take Paxton Lynch. They traded up from 32 <laughs> to, I believe, like, what was it, 24, 25, and it's because they were worried about someone else yeah. from that had a early second-round pick trading up to get Paxton Lynch. So, yeah, I definitely would take the over three here, the over three and a half, because like we said, um, Corral, um, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell. Jeez, that did not age well. Paxton Lynch hasn't even worked out in the USFL. I believe his job's already been taken. After no, I know, like two I know, weeks. but I'm just yeah, – No, 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 I, no, I'm saying example. that's a good point. That's a great point. And 
In turn, Chris, let's say you, over, under, three quarterbacks taken in the first round. I'm going to go against everyone and say under. There we go. Because I just don't think the talent is there for uh, the quarterbacks. And it, It's like you were saying, the names at the top of the list are like Kenny Pickett, who, I mean, don't get me wrong, is good. Yep. And there's Desmond Ritter at the top. You know, this just doesn't sound like the traditional uh, draft class for quarterbacks. I just don't see more than three uh, going in the first round. I really don't. What's crazy, though, is it feels like, with the exception of a, a few years, I would say even last year, it seems like they say that every year. Like, this is not a strong quarterback class. Then the next thing you know, five are taken in the first round. It's just like, well, this came out of nowhere. Like, this is unbelievable. But I see your point. I think this is definitely a draft where if your team that needs a quarterback, you can afford to trade down. You want to trade down and just cut your losses and wait till next year. And apparently with the reports we're hearing right now, a lot of teams do want to do that. It's a matter of finding a trade suitor because everybody wants to trade down right now. Nobody wants to trade up. Well, that's just because, you know, they're talking about this draft, and you were talking about before the show. There's no clear-cut number one pick. Yep. And it seems like even this year, more so than previous years, that, you know, the difference in a top five pick and a top 15 pick are, are you know, not as drastic as normal. Yeah, I mean, Trayvon Walker, who Vegas has as the, uh, the best odds to be the number one overall pick, we were talking about two weeks ago, he's projected to be, like, fifth overall to seventh overall, somewhere around there, kind of mid-first round, maybe to – top 10, maybe sneaking on the top 10. All of a sudden, he emerges as a number one overall pick, favorite out of nowhere. So, yeah, I mean, that just kind of helps your point there. You just don't know how this draft is going to lay out. There's no clear-cut guy like a Trevor Lawrence or a Kyler Murray or a Cam Newton or whatever the case may be. Moving on, this one is another one people might disagree on and might uh, cause little issues here. Kenny Pickett to the Panthers, yes or no? They got it, yes, Kenny Pickett to the Panthers, and that's plus 145. I'm saying you got to hammer that one. I think it's pretty blatant at this point. Um, uh, we've already seen reports where they're saying that they're pretty much set on getting a quarterback. And out of all the quarterbacks that they've looked at so far, they seem the most interested, even at the pro days, in Kenny Pickett. I mean, the owner, David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, and I believe Matt Rule even showed up to his pro, be- pro day, wanted to meet him in person on the field and look at – Every knock on Kenny Pickett, including his hands, they had to see it for themselves. So they seem clear-cut on this guy and set on this guy to be the future of the Carolina Panthers. Let's say you, Noah. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> we got, hey, never fails with Noah. I love it. I love it. Let's say you, Philip. Yeah, I mean, I don't particularly like taking bets that it's this guy will specifically go this pick or to this team just because I think it's bad value. I mean, we saw the whack stuff happen on draft night. Yep. You know, it happens every year. But uh, if anything kind of seems like a, a sure thing for a prop bet pick in that way, um, yeah, I guess plus 145 is, is solid value. I wouldn't be betting my rent payment on it. Yep. But, uh, you know, you got a little money to spare. I think Kenny Pickett plus 145 to the Panthers at six is, is probably pretty good value. See, Phillip's thinking smarter. He's thinking money here. He's thinking the bet itself. Well, this is prop bet picks. Yeah. That's the, the whole point of this. And this I'm thinking more so yes or no. Purposes only. Um, yeah, no, I'm talking. I'm taking it from the bet side. I'm okay. taking it from the. Fair this enough. is supposed to be a gambling related. You're smart for your money. Segment. I'm not. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, inflation. Yeah, entertainment purposes only. By the way, it's not legal in NC yet. Hopefully soon. But intern Chris, 
let's say you Kenny Pickett to the Panthers. I'm going to say no just because uh, of all the rumors that I've been hearing all over Twitter and Instagram that they're in serious talks with Baker Mayfield. And I feel like the position that they're in, they need kind of more of a veteran guy. Not even saying that Baker Mayfield's like, you know, a, air yeah, quotes, no. veteran. But uh, I, I don't know if a rookie is the right move for them this year. I really don't. Well, here's where I disagree with you because there were reports that came out earlier today from guys like Ian Rappaport and Adam Sheffer that are saying – they're not. They're no longer pursuing a trade for Baker Mayfield before the draft. That doesn't necessarily mean that they want after the draft or during the draft, but definitely before the draft, no more Baker Mayfield. So that just kind of leans more into the fact that I think that they're just staying away from him and they're cutting their losses. They're looking at the draft, but they're just going to cut their losses with Sam Darnold. Well, maybe they learned their lesson from last year when they were a bunch of morons <laughs> and traded for Sam Darnold before the draft when you could have had Mac Jones. Well, then they picked up his fifth-year option as well. So, yeah, I mean, they were – yeah, well, this organization is terrible. Yeah. All right, next one, um, and this one is going to be another one. Maybe we disagree on it. I've been wrong so far when it comes to maybe these are things we disagree on, but Malik Willis to the Saints, uh, that's a plus 650 bet there. I'm going no. I'm going no all the way. They've tried a Malik Willis-type experiment with that kind of quarterback with Taysom Hill, and uh, they'd even try to build around him. Uh, they didn't even try to make that work. Um, I'm just I, they've they've tried that experiment hasn't worked out. Uh, I think they would rather prefer a, a pocket passer, a guy that can lead the ship. I don't know if Malik Willis is necessarily ready right out the gate to be that guy. Let's say you, Chris. Uh, I I do think that they might go after someone like <clears throat> excuse me. Like Malik Willis, because they've already got Jameis Winston and uh, guys like Ian Book already on there. And I feel like there's going to be some competition amongst the quarterbacks to see who's going to be the clear-cut starter. Yep. And I don't and I've, I don't think it's beneath them at all to add a third guy onto that uh, list of guys competing for the starting spot. I could totally see him going there. Fair enough. But uh, I think – I'm not saying Ian Book is unbelievable or Jameis Winston, but I think they're the clear-cut one or two. I, I love Ian yeah. Book being a Notre Dame fan. I hope he does well, but uh, I don't know if he's going to get that starting spot. Yeah. Or, I don't know. And then you're talking about Willis, probably going to be the number two for a while because, call me crazy, I still think Jameis Winston is a competent quarterback. I think he's competent all the way, yeah. I, uh, especially last year against my Packers. Uh, I was <laughs> so embarrassed. Week one, man. Yeah. Five touchdowns. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, I'm sold on Jameis Winston. I think he's good. Fair enough. I, I like it. I like it. Let's say you enter Noah. Yes or no, I'm Malik Willis to the Saints. I like Malik Willis to the Saints. I think that's a good bet. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, a little cog in the wheel there, a little throwing a wrench at it. Disagreeing here. I I could see it. I could see it. I, I'm not ruling it out. I just think they've tried it before. They've tried it before. Let's say you, Philip. I'm going to go no. And, you know, Chris kind of brought the point. They got, you know, they've got Jameis and Ian Book. Why would you add a third guy in the first round? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to add another guy, go late. I mean, look, we've seen Jameis now that he's had LASIK eye surgery and can somewhat see. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. talent wasn't the problem. It was whether or not he could see the defense. Well, the guy finally doesn't have like 20-60 vision anymore yeah. and can see somewhat. So I think they're going to give That's him a shot. That's your favorite point when it comes to Jameis Winston, well, by dude, the way. I, mean, I love it. I mean, 30 and 30. I'm he not threw, saying it's a bad point. I just picks. love that. That's your point. because he couldn't see. Yeah. I mean, heck, nobody can throw football to – people they can't see so now i think he's got his lasik i think they're set on him and uh, if they take quarterback it's gonna be way later like chris said they may bring in a third quarterback for some competition but that's all it's gonna be is competition and i'm not wasting a first round pick on competition yeah and you know i look at Jameis winston's past seasons especially with tampa bay he had a couple four thousand passing yard seasons and then that year he had 30 30 touchdown interception ratio he still threw for five thousand yards and led the nfl in passing i believe so 
I mean, I get it. wasn't a great year, but bums just don't throw 5,000 yards. He still is a competent passer that can get it done if you put the right team around him. And, yeah, I don't see why you add further, furthermore the competition with two very capable quarterbacks, I believe, in Ian Book and Jameis Winston. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All right, the next one. And this will be our final one. Uh, not the most sexy prop bet, but we'll leave it at this. It's another Saints one. Saints use their first pick on a wide receiver. Obviously, they've had some issues this past year with Michael Thomas. He's been out for, what, two years straight now or have been missing a lot of games due to injuries. Um, it's plus 280 on them using a first pick on a wide receiver. Ugh, that's tough. That's tough. I don't know who that wide receiver necessarily would be. But I could see it. I'm going to lean more towards yes, but it's kind of a hesitant yes. I'm more confident about them picking a receiver first round than a quarterback with their first pick. So I'm going to go yes there, and I'm going to leave it at that just because Michael Thomas hasn't worked out. It's clear cut. I could see Michael Thomas winning out here soon too. He's a drama queen. Let's say you, Chris. Yeah, I think so because I feel like they're not going to want to add any more pieces to the defense considering like how well they were even able to hold up uh, Tom Brady yep. last year. You know, holding him, I believe they held him under like 10 points in the second game. So I think they're good on defense. Uh, obviously with Alvin Kamara, they're good at running back. And we were just talking about them with the quarterback situation. They've kind of got that covered. I could totally see them uh, going after a wide receiver. Absolutely. Let's say you in turn know how you feel about it. Saints use first pick on a wide receiver. It's definitely possible. Hey, I like it. I like it. I like his confidence. He's straight to the point. Um, what I do not like about this is I do think they get a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah. But here's the problem right now. They do need to tackle, don't no, they? Because no, no, they lost yeah, Armstead. Yeah, I get that. But here's the problem. They have the 16th and the 19th pick. So if you bet that they – That's a perfect the, pick for no, a receiver, though. So No, that's my thing. Yeah. It's not do they get a receiver in the first round. The prop bet is do they use their first pick on a wide receiver. That's true. They That's could true. easily get a receiver at 19. This guy's smart 19. with his money. <laughs> Why would you bet, oh, on this specific pick they're going to get a wide receiver? Now, if there's a prop bet out there, that's especially if it's plus money or if it's like minus 110, minus 120, where you can get, do they get one in the first round? I like that. But specifically their first pick, there's roughly three receivers that will go around that time probably in this draft. Who's to say they don't use that, you know, what are, what are their picks? Sorry, the 19th pick to get the wide receiver instead of the 16th pick. So I think you'd be dumb to bet a specific pick on a team with two picks that close to each other. Yeah, I mean, hey, fair enough. I like it. I, I like your point that easily their second first-round pick could be the wide receiver pick. I mean, those, they're in prime position. What did you say, 16 and 18? 16 and 19. 16 and 19, those are perfect positions to get a wide receiver in the first round. I'm not a fan taking wide receivers in the first round. But if you are mid to later first round, I'm okay with it. Not going to love it, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad pick. That's going to do it for the NFL Roundtable when it comes to prop bets straight out of Vegas for the draft when we come back. We further the draft talk with the strangest list I've seen in a long time. We have Brian DiArdo from CBS Sports ranking every number one NFL draft pick of the 21st century. So it's going to be 22 through 1 since 2000. But first, let's take a look at what's happening around sports for our 94-3 The Game Sports Update with the ref, Philip Pilkington. 
Thanks, Ben. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. We will start in Pirate Athletics. As ECU softball hosted NC Central today, the Pirates were victorious in that one, 9-1. The game only went six innings as they pulled off a mercy rule. And baseball will play NC State this evening. Game is supposed to start at 7, meaning our coverage will start at 645 right here on 94.3 The Game, weather permitting, of course. Josh Groves is to sp- is supposed to start on the mound i'm sorry for the pirates and we will go to the nfl the panthers have announced that they will pick up the fifth year option on brian burns contract also gm scott fitterer today said that they will most likely draft a quarterback at some point in this year's draft to the nba jimmy butler has been ruled out for game five tonight as the Heat look to close out their first round series against the Atlanta Hawks and Bulls Zach Levine has entered health and safety protocols ahead of their game five matchup in Milwaukee as both teams look to jump out to a three to two series lead in that one going to baseball the Yankees Aaron Hicks has gone on paternity leave meaning Miguel and Duhar has been brought up from AAA and good news for Ben's Mets a new MRI on Jake DeGrom's shoulder has shown that it is healing well he is allowed to, to start loading and strengthening the shoulder there will be another mri in three weeks if that checks out all okay he will be able to start full rehab and throw after that what'd you Sorry, say Philip. world series bound that's all i'm saying uh, world world, series bound. mets are world series bound you heard it here first and that'll do it for our 94.3 the game sports update more on a little pro i guess old draft drama after this time out Hi there, Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Country Mart stores of Pitt County are locally owned and part of your community. At Country Mart, they offer that great Shell gasoline with Shell rewards that save you money at the pump. And these days, that's really important. And don't forget Smitty's Restaurant at the Highway 11 store with great lunch specials daily and Pat's desserts that will be the best you've ever had. The Stokes location also offers hot food. Country Mart with two locations, Highway 11 between Greenville and Bethel and Highway 903 in Stokes. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newbern is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. Greenville's premier Uptown Concert Series returns. Concert on the Comet. This year's acts include The Embers featuring Craig Wooler, May 26th. For more details and a full lineup of bands, go to concertonthecommon.org. Greenville's premier Uptown Concert Series returns. Concert on the Comet. This year's acts include On the Border, the Ultimate Eagles Tribute, June 9th. For more details and a full lineup of bands, go to concertonthecommon.org. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. 
sponsored by the North Carolina Army National Guard, aired by the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn, but not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. See right. Pirate baseball lives right here. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Patrick Johnson Show, Ben B. Baby Byron filling in, Philip the Ref Pilkington alongside me on the ones and twos as my co-host, and intern Chris standing by for the NFL roundtable as we continue with this bizarre list that I don't like at all. I have to say, this song is appropriate because some of these guys did burn out like a firework that Absolutely. we're about to talk about. And I, I love the uh, pick, we, we remembered, we're going to remember them 20 years from now, but uh, some of these guys still ain't around 20 years later because yeah. it was ugly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the list is by Brian DiArto on CBS Sports. Never heard of him before, but I guess like ESPN, they have guys that specifically do lists. I've heard of this guy. I mean, yeah. he's just kind of one of these guys, but yeah. I've seen his name. Just the list guy, I guess. But he ranked every number one NFL draft pick of the 21st century. And let's get right into it. First, I want your guess on what 22 is. So this, oh wait, here's the standards. Here's how he's doing his list. It's based on longevity of the person, team success in the NFL during their tenure, and individual success and accolades, specifically for this person as the number one overall pick. So in their playing career, their NFL playing career, not college or anything like that. So do we want to take a wild guess at what the worst number one overall pick since 2000 is? Coming in at number 22, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going to hand it over to Phillip because I know he – He's got. He knows it for sure. He's got it on lock. But I'm also the only one who hasn't seen the list yet. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna go Joe Marcus Russell. You nailed it. Ding ding ding. There you go. I think there was. A, that's a no brainer there. I mean, we've heard stories about the guy getting blank tapes from his coaching staff, and they just wanted to see if he was gonna watch tape. He comes in the next day. They're like, Hey, Joe Marcus, did you watch the film we gave you? He's like, Yeah, I watch it. I like all the plays. I like all the plays. There was nothing on the tape. It was blank. This guy, yeah, clear bust. Uh, and he's got his stats here. First year, 54%, 54% of his passes completed. Went 5-10 and 10 as a starter. Then the next year, 48%. Three touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and nine starts, and then never started again. Hasn't played football since 2009. Was drafted in 07, I believe. Yep, 07. So a two-year career that was just absolutely brutal. One of the all-time, like, I think he's number one when it comes to bust. Maybe him or, like, Ryan Lee for – Courtney Brown or somebody like that. Well, Leaf was two behind Peyton, so. Yeah, well, I'm just saying all-time uh, bust. Oh, all-time bust, yeah. 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 
11 interceptions, and this is a whole season? Yeah, three touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a whole season as a starter. 48% completion percentage. We forget, the Raiders used to be like how the Browns were for a while in the NFL. The Raiders were just a scummy franchise for a good while in those mid-2000s run. I mean, they were just absolutely horrible. Let's move on to number 21. Um, This one... I, I don't. He doesn't explain why he comes in at 21 early. Maybe it's because the jury's out on him. But he's got Trevor Lawrence at 21. Philip, your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence at 21? Doesn't explain his pick at all. Just says Trevor Lawrence 21. Maybe it's one of those deals where the jury's out. I'm putting him low, but it's pretty clear he can't be any worse than Jamarcus Russell. Um. It's hard because he's only had a year. Like. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see like you would think David Carr's gonna be worse than. Trevor Lawrence, but I almost wish that's one of those things where it's like they probably should have not even put Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow on this list just because the sample size was so small. So, yeah, I guess by default, because last year was pretty bad, it's put him 21. I mean, I I don't think there's much of a debate here. Yeah, I I think it's just one of those deals like we saw it a couple years ago where they literally ranked every first round or first overall pick in every draft ever. And I think that when they did that, that was the year Jared Goff was the first overall pick. So they threw him last just because. The jury's out. You don't know how it's going to be. But we can all agree, no matter how bad Trevor Lawrence's career is going to turn out or how good it's going to turn out, it's not going to be any worse than what Jamarcus Russell was. Yeah, no, I think putting him at 21 is uh, – I'm going to say that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I mean, I'm just Really? Gonna, I wow. love Trevor Lawrence. Loved him since high school. I don't – I mean, that, that organization, the Jaguars, like last year was just in total turmoil. I yep. really uh, – I, I, don't, I don't see him at 21 one bit. I think there was definitely a lot to love when it comes to Trevor Lawrence last year. Um, so, I mean, I it, I think it was a matter with him of just getting a feel for the game, especially under that coaching staff, not really putting a team around him. He was very risky, very aggressive, and I wasn't against that. There was a lot of things, a lot of positive when it came to Trevor Lawrence. Moving on to number 20, I think this is this one is another one I can't disagree with. Def- Defensive end Courtney Brown, I think we can all agree at 20, that's fine. Courtney Brown's a notorious number one overall bust. Here's another one that might grind some gears. Uh, we'll hold off on the comments on – I'm just going to run through it. We'll hold off on our comments. We're going to do from back. now on, we're going to go five in a row. We're going to go 20 through 16, yep. talk about those 15 through 11 and so on. Yeah, there we go. 19, we got quarterback Baker Mayfield. 18, quarterback David Carr. 17, quarterback Sam Bradford. 16 quarterback Jameis Winston, and then 15 we got. No, 15's the next five. 15's the next five. All right, we'll save 15 off, but initial thoughts. We got Jameis Winston at 16, Bradford at 17, David Carr at 18, Baker Mayfield at 19. Who was 20? Courtney Brown? Courtney Brown, yeah. Baker's not worse than David Carr. I don't what think, is this guy smoking? I it, that's kind of what I was thinking about yeah. that. Like I, at nineteen, I mean, I'm not. He's not great by any means, but nineteen, I just I don't know. That's yeah, it's completely ridiculous. You're ranking him as among one of the worst first overall picks since 2000. I think that's insane. Baker's shown that he can win in this league, especially with a garbage franchise like the Browns. Really led him to the playoffs. I mean, that's an insane take, David Carr. Like. You could say he wasn't given much of a chance in this league, but there was times where he had opportunities to maybe show something, and he clearly just didn't have it anymore. He just never really showed anything in the league. Baker at least has shown that. And uh, you can argue Jameis over Baker, and I think that's fine, but I tend to lean Baker over Jameis, but that's kind of a – I'll leave it up to y'all. What do y'all think about that? 
Jameis over Baker? I would say that uh, Baker should be over Jameis just for the fact that Jameis Winston moved from the team that drafted him yep. uh, number one overall. Fair enough. That's a good point. That's a good point. What about you, Philip? Jameis over Not Baker. that Baker's been perfect, but Jameis has been such a liability yeah. throughout his career. I think Baker's got to be ranked higher than Jameis. Jameis is closer to a bust than, than Baker is. I mean, nobody is right now talking about Baker being a bust. People are really talking about Jameis possibly falling in that bust list. I mean, should he be 19th best out of the 22? Maybe not, but I would definitely have – I'd put, you know, Baker was better than Jameis. Jameis is better than Carr. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was insane. That really got me going. Let's go through the next five here. 15 defensive end Jadavian Clowney, 14 quarterback Kyler Murray, 13 quarterback Joe Burrow, 12 offensive tackle Eric Fisher, and 11 offensive tackle Jake Long. What? Are you kidding me right now? Like this, okay, Burrow and Kyler Murray, I get that they haven't played long in the in the league, but Fisher at one point was deemed like, also up there for one of the all-time worst, like number one overall pick, Bust. He had one Pro Bowl season and another competent year at the Chiefs, and now his career's fizzled out once again. I don't think he's even signed to a team right now, and he's hinting at possible retirement. I, I think that's insane. I mean, well, let's say you. He's got Eric Fisher and Jake Long over Burrow and Kyler Murray, and including Jadavian Clowney. I mean, yeah, Clowney's – Clowney honestly should probably be not even in this group of five. I'd yeah. put him down in that sixteen to twenty range. Fair enough. But yeah, no, I mean these these linemen were not great, and those <laughs> are the that's the position you don't expect to bust. I mean, yeah. you know, Chris can tell us all about linemen bust and Tony Mandrich since he's a uh, Packers fan, <laughs> but. I mean, come on, Burrow. Like, that's again, like, you should either give the guy the respect he deserves or don't put the last two or three years on this list. I mean, heck, the guy's been to a Super Bowl in his second year. I mean, heck, if anything, if we're actually going to judge on the way he's played, put him at like three on this list. If yeah. you're going to put him on it, dang, <laughs> this guy's a moron. Yeah, this is like completely insane. Like, this list, like, I, I believe it was made like just solely to like get clicks. And like generate like comments on Instagram. Like this is and there is not list. one positive comment on this post, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Not one single positive comment. I'm sure well, at least we know other fans are smart too. Didn't know fans were smart because usually they're idiots too. But, I'm sure but, old Brian at CBS Sports is a good guy, but come on, man. He's a hot take artist, clearly just trying to generate and stir up some drama and hey, it's working. But yeah, that's insane. Jake Long over Eric Fisher, I think, is even a little crazy, but maybe you can argue about that. Moving on. Let's go through the next five here. Jared Goff at 10. So he's got Jared Goff as a top 10, number one overall pick. How is he over Burrow? Let's continue. Sorry, my bad. Number nine, Miles Garrett, defensive end for the Browns. Number eight, defensive end Mario Williams. Number seven, quarterback Alex Smith. And number six, quarterback Michael Vick. All right. The first thoughts, Michael Vick over Alex Smith, that's fine. Mario Williams over Miles Garrett. I'll even take that. Mario Williams had some pretty elite years. Jared Goff, top 10 over guys like Burrow and Kyler Murray. I guess he made two Pro Bowls and showed times where he could be a competent passer, but he never looked to be anything more than that. I think Burrow and Kyler Murray have shown they could be superstar caliber players. But, I mean, Jared Goff, you're going off, what, five, five, six years? I mean, that's still a short window here. Jared Goff in the top 10 on this list, I think, is a little crazy. 
Let's say you, Chris. Yeah, I think that's a joke that uh, he's over Burrow and Kyler Murray. I get that he made it to a Super Bowl, but we all remember how that performance went. Uh, the two Pro Bowls, I, I, I mean, I see how that's a good stat, but I just – Jared Goff just – I don't even put him in my top 15 for NFL yeah. quarterbacks right now. Oh, oh, dang. I thought you were about to say you wouldn't even put him top 15 on this list. I yeah. was about to say, dang, hot take. No, yeah. I'm saying no, active yeah. in the NFL oh, right yeah, now. No, I, he's, I not. he's not in my top 15. He's solid, but no, I kind of agree with you on there. Uh I, I would maybe put Vic higher than six, though. I, I agree. That's when we get weird when we get the top five here. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking at the other you know guys who are not on this list. What, is, what was Alex Smith at again? Alex Smith comes in at seven. So he's right Ooh. under Michael Vick. Yeah, I and he's judging Vic, a whole Vic career. Probably, Vic was probably a little better than Smith because, you know, I mean, you got to think if, if Vic doesn't get arrested and miss some time. Yeah. He's still probably the better player, but yeah, I might put both those guys up higher. I'm trying to think who the other five are. Kind of the Vic list was right the MVP here, but, though. He's the greatest mobile yeah. quarterback ever. I still think, even with Cam Newton and other quarterbacks that have emerged. I so, do you think, think Vic should be over Cam? Because obviously, Cam's no, somewhere no, in the no, top no. five. No, I think Cam had better success uh, as a pro than Michael Vick, in my opinion. I think long term, might I think Cam has a better case for the Hall of Fame than Michael Vick. Does. Yeah, I give you that. But what? Going to the whole, and I'm not trying to get ahead of it, yeah. but I would maybe throw Cam in this six to ten. Like there was a time in both their primes. Would you rather had Alex Smith or Cam Newton? I'm going to take a guy who knows how to lead and you know isn't hurt all the time. Yeah, I mean, he's really only had the one bad injury. Yeah, the guy who you know knows how to not throw off his back foot. I mean, heck, yeah, I definitely put Alex Smith higher than that. I, yeah, this is a whack. Yeah, this is all out of whack. I mean. This is the number one overall pick that went to jail for like a year or two. Like, come on now. Like, this is. Wait, this Carson thing. Palmer is over these two guys? Did you jump the gun here? No, but I'm just saying, like, I just realized it. Like, he's in the top five. I would, I, we're talking about six through 10. I would have Carson Palmer somewhere in the six through 10 range. I, I agree. Over, over freaking, who we, Alex Smith. Yeah, no, I'd take Alex Smith over Carson Palmer. So, my point in this is Alex Smith. Yeah, but I would not have Alex Smith in the six or ten. And Alex Smith was a solid quarterback his whole career. Here's where we get really, really crazy. Five, Andrew Luck. Now you mentioned Carson Palmer. Carson Carson Palmer above Andrew Luck so far. Number four, Carson Palmer. Number three, Matthew Stafford. Number two, Cam Newton. And then number one, it's pretty clear. Actually, it's not pretty clear. I thought it said Peyton for a second. Eli Manning, number one. This list doesn't go to 98, Ben. Oh, my God. That that top five. Whoa. Are you kidding me? Carson Palmer at four over Andrew Luck? Chris, what, what are we doing here? Uh, I, I think that's a joke, but I, I want to shift gears and focus on Cam Newton being over Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I mean, I what in the world is too. up with that? I guess they're saying that winning an MVP and losing a Super Bowl means more than winning a Super Bowl. Panthers I don't know. fans will tell you that. I am Panthers fans love to make that argument, I guess. So I'm a little bit okay with the Palmer over Luck thing, just because Luck had the injuries and the you know the, the longevity wasn't there. I mean, yeah. Luck is a more talented player. I mean, Luck might be the most talented player on this list. I still think Vic has a better argument for the Hall of Fame than Carson Palmer, though. Yeah, no, I agree yeah. with that too. But yeah, I would put, but I would still put Palmer over Luck just because it worked out better. I mean, he still went to more yeah. playoffs. He lasted more years. You know, he had a good success. He did say longevity is important. Yeah, he did say longevity is important. So I agree with him on that. But um, no, uh, 
Cam over Stafford. People have to remember, Stafford was on the freaking Lions. Got him to the playoffs. (laughs) I have said for years, if Matthew Stafford gets out of Detroit and he goes anywhere but Cleveland, (laughs) this is back when Cleveland was junky. Yeah. He will win a Super Bowl. Yeah. He's out for one and he year. Did it. He beats Brady in the playoffs and wins a freaking Super Bowl. Okay, Stafford is better than Cam. Stafford has more fourth quarter comebacks than Cam. Stafford doesn't throw off his back foot and miss a receiver in the flats who's wide open by 15 yards like Cam. Stafford doesn't miss games when he's hurt because he has to worry about his child support from a stripper in another state. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like <laughs> We're getting personal okay, here. <laughs> no, man. Matthew Stafford probably should be one, if not two, on this list. It's, it's, I, I think agree. It's a probably should be one. with Eli Manning and Matthew Stafford. I put him over Eli Manning also. I kind of tend to agree with Chris here. I think him over Eli. Like, this is my next point here. Do we dare argue Eli at one? I don't think Eli deserves to be at one because you think – Yes, Eli won you the two Super Bowls. One of them was by a miracle. Like, literally, it took a miracle, like, to win that Super Bowl. But, uh, like, you look at Eli's career, like, during the regular season, most of the time they were missing the playoffs, and Eli was a bottom-tier quarterback in the league. Like This dude literally got replaced by Daniel Jones. Yeah, we got know. replaced by Daniel Jones and benched for Geno Smith, so... <laughs> Eli's still number nine all time in passing yards. My thing is those guys like Jameis Winston, if they last long in the league, they're going to creep on that list too. Yeah, I know Eli wasn't a great regular season quarterback, but he always played solid in the playoffs. I mean, now his first yeah. playoff game, which was his second year, first year as a full starter, was horrible. He threw four picks, lost twenty three to nothing. Yeah. But you know, there was kind of a, a shaky game. Can't remember what year did you guys beat him in the playoffs? Uh, in the divisional Packers. round. Oh, I believe Packers. that was 2013. Okay, yeah. So there was another one in there. I remember him not be playing great in, but overall, he was a solid playoff like quarterback. And those teams were not great. I mean, those. I mean, I guess they had good D lines there from some some stretch, yeah. but it seems like any time he had competent receivers, he won the Super Bowl. I and fair, I trust fair. me, I love Stafford, but I I think maybe Eli, and it's just right now. Yeah. Because. You know, as much as I'd like to say Stafford would have done this, Stafford would have done that if he was in a different situation. Well, unfortunately, he was in Detroit. I think in two years from now, when he's had three years in in L.A., we're going to be saying Stafford, but I have no problem with Eli being number one right now. But still, why is Stafford three, and why is Carson Palmer ahead of whoever the heck he's ahead of, Alex Smith and somebody, Vic, and who was five? Five was Andrew Luck. And luck. Oh yeah, I can see the luck thing because luck got hurt. And then who was three? I don't even remember now. We haven't Cam talked Newton. about three. No, no, three oh, was Stafford. three yeah. was Stafford. Yeah, Cam Newton was two. Cam should be like twenty-two. I think if I come on now, Philip. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think he should we're, be way lower. Yeah. All right, Cam now is, we're Cam, now we're getting insane. Cam like, is the most. Here's my problem with Cam. Cam, God-given talent-wise, listen, we're we're losing people no, right no, now. This here's is what insane. ticks me off about Cam. Cam, God-giving talent-wise, great. No, I know. I know. I don't think he's 22. But most God-given talented player to ever play football. I agree. Yeah. But because he wouldn't beat Honest Craft in the offseason to work on his few flaws in his game that he naturally had. Yep. Because he was more worried about the name on the back of his jersey instead of the logo on his sleeve and all that crap. He, in my opinion, even though he had a solid career, is a bust for what he could have been because this guy has more God-given talent than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. And why would you put a guy – I think, yes, he probably had the third best maybe career at all these guys because I do think he should be 
behind Stafford. But when you go with how good he should have been and how good he was, put him at like seven or eight. Man, Cam, I'm, I'm still salty, man. There's no reason the Panthers <laughs> should only went one Super Bowl with that talented of a quarterback. It, man, he's I, – I can't stand Cam. All these stupid Camther fans want him back. Well, if, if this was my list, I to be fair, I would put – I would say Eli Manning and Matthew Stafford are 1A, 1B. If I'm picking 1-2, I'll say Stafford 1, just barely. Eli 2. I'll go 3, I'll go Cam Newton. 4, I would go Michael Vick. 5, I'll go Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, I think, is the best quarterback out of all those guys, maybe arguably to Matthew Stafford, but the longevity wasn't long enough. That's why I'd put Alex Smith over Luck, though. That'd okay. be my one argument. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, Smith yeah, over yeah, I don't argue that, but yeah, I'd... You probably don't agree with Cam Newton in the top five, but when you look at these other first overall picks, I mean, it's kind of easy pickings for Cam Newton. And Cam Newton did have a successful NFL career. He just didn't live up to probably the most athletic quarterback and gifted quarterback we've ever seen, and he didn't win Super Bowls like we expected. He didn't win multiple MVPs. Didn't have the playoff success like we expected. You could say all these other factors contributed to that, but still, you're supposed to be the guy. You're supposed to be the face, the new face of the NFL. He never lived up to that height. Right, can we all agree on that? I mean, I think that's a solid list. Any yeah. any any exceptions to the top five? Somebody you would rather put in the top five that we didn't mention in terms of like, I think we said, me and Philip agreed, it's somewhere with Alex Smith, Stafford, um, Eli Manning, Cam Newton, Michael Vick, and Andrew Luck. Is there anybody else that we're leaving out that you would have in your top five, Chris? I think I would put Joe Burrow over Andrew Luck, and I think that would be the I still only think it's change too early, I would make. But okay. I, 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 that's do, fair. I do like him just outside the top five. That's I think fair. that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair for sure. That's going to do it for the NFL roundtable in general. Man, Philip. Coming with the hot takes there. You know, man, we're, we're talking about Cam. <laughs> I know you're we're not talking, the draft, Cam talking about fan. my boy Matthew Stafford. I'm going to get hot takey. Let's go. We're covering the draft all week. We're hosting all week. Uh, me and Philip. Philip will come in every once in a while. But the interns will be standing by on random days throughout the week. I'll be the one consistent. It's draft week. We'll stay updated with it. Coming back, we're previewing, previewing ECU baseball tonight as they get ready for their matchup against NC State. Little breaking news. Okay. First pitch is now seven fifteen, and uh, do we go to co- seven? I guess we're going to seven because Let's do Scooter it. and uh, and Coach will uh, Coach O will be on at um six seven, or at 15, seven o'clock. Yeah, first, yeah, because the game's at seven fifteen. Seven so we're o'clock, going until yeah. seven o'clock. Yep. All right. Well, let's do it. We're coming to back. Skip that. We're talking about the latest transfers in the AAC. A lot of big time talent going elsewhere. More on that on the other side of this quick time out here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. Chico's Mexican Restaurant is the home of the best margaritas. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's every Tuesday for the Gulp of Mexico, a huge 46-ounce lime margarita for only $6.99. On Thursdays, relax and enjoy half-price pitchers of Chico's house margaritas. Choose from lime, strawberry, blood orange, raspberry, or peach. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's in downtown Greenville and now available through DoorDash, featuring a half-gallon of the famous margarita mix to go for only $9.99. Chico's, where the fiesta never ends. Time now for an update from Town Insurance. I've got my friend Jim Clement in the studio with me. Jim, great to see you. What's new at Town Insurance? 
What's new, Henry, is our growth in this state. We have now exceeded $60 million in revenue with 300 employees over both states, Virginia and North Carolina. But North Carolina, our footprint goes from Kerala down to Wilmington to Kinston, Greenville, Raleigh, and our newest operation in Charlotte. So, Jim, what does that mean for all of your clients and uh, friends in eastern North Carolina? Because of town's massive resources, meaning access to more companies and markets, we are able to serve all of our clients right here in eastern North Carolina with their personal lines, their commercial lines, their life and health needs, or their small business needs. We continue to hear more and more about town insurance, and uh, it's great to have you in here giving us an update today. How about people who aren't doing business with you right now in eastern North Carolina? What would you say to them? Come to town today. What's the telephone number? 756 8300. Greenville's premier Uptown Concert Series returns. Concert on the Comet. This year's acts include Jim Quick at Coastland April 28th. For more details and a full lineup of bands, go to concertonthecommon.org. Greenville's premier Uptown Concert Series returns. Concert on the Comet. This year's acts include Trial by Fire, the Journey Tribute Band, June 23rd. For more details and a full lineup of bands, go to concertonthecommon.org. Sweet strawberry icing. You were strolling along in goodwill when just past that mid-century side table and denim jacket, you spotted them nestled in their display case. Miniature donut earrings. Oh, yes. Yes. Your favorite half-breakfast pastry, half-all-day dessert food made into your favorite form of ear candy. Oh, my. Those bejeweled sprinkles have satisfied some unknown hunger within you. Shh, do you smell that? That's the sugary scent of shopping success. For this is Goodwill. And with every item you buy, you fund local job training and more. So go forth. Bring home those donut earrings. And bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. WRHD HD1, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Greenville's home for sports 24-7. 24 7. 943 The Game and 943TheGame.com. Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers are available. Sorry about that. I screwed it up. Let me do it again. Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers available now online at the all new 943thegame.com. And now, so fun, man. back to the P Man, the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Decisions too high. Back off, take you on. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Keeping it going here till 7 o'clock as ECU baseball's matchup in Raleigh against NC State has been delayed to 7-15 first pitch because of inclement weather, thunderstorms in the area. They'll be coming on live with pregame and play-by-play coverage at 7 o'clock following our show of Coach O and Scooter right here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates 94 through the game. Getting right to it around the AAC. A lot of big-time transfers that hit the portal in the conference not really transferring out, but staying in the conference and going to different teams. So let's get right into it. the big one, the one that kind of broke yesterday. Brandon Suggs to UCF. I I don't even know where to begin there. I, I guess it was the best available option for them. I'll go ahead and pull up 
what other offers he had. I know I had it yesterday for Patrick, but the list wasn't great when it came to Brandon Suggs, but when you look at it, it was smaller schools than ECU. At least he could have gone somewhere and been the guy. I don't see him replacing the production of guys like, or adding on to the production of guys like Darius Perry, Brandon Mahan, and Darren Green. Darren Green, really good player at UCF. I don't see how Brandon Suggs steps in and, be the, and ends up being the guy at UCF. I mean, heck, he was the third leading scorer at ECU this past year with 10 points per game. Um, just want to let people know, because breaking news, NCAA President Mark Emmert is stepping down at the end of the 2023 school year. That is like Whoa. breaking news right, right on our TVs right now Whoa, on ESPN. Do we do we switch over to that? I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll, here's the thing. We'll finish what we had to say about Suggs. We might not go into the other ones because we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, this is okay for Suggs if he's okay being like an eighth man. Yeah. But like you said, I don't think he's going to step in and be as productive at that on that roster as he was here. Well, I disagree with you there. I don't think UCF is necessarily star-studded and talented to where he's going to be an eighth man. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But he'll definitely be a starter, but he's not going to be the guy. I'm not saying he was going to be the guy at ECU if he stuck around with Michael Schwartz, but at least he would have been an experienced guy. He would have been had a big role in the locker room. And at least he would have had a little bit more playing time and a chance to showcase a little bit more production. You're not going to get that at UCF, I don't think. Not at all. No. And, you know, the other thing that, and, you know, I think Mike Schwartz is going to have a different culture here as well, but it's going to be a uh, quite the different culture there with Johnny Dawkins. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that whole thing we talked about where we thought he and Tristan Newton were kind of supposed to be the leaders of this team, and you didn't see a lot of talking on the court and all that stuff. Yeah, that's not going to fly with Johnny Dawkins. Yeah. I and mean, this is a guy who played for Coach K. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. So, and he's kind of turning that program around a little bit. They're at least competitive in his yeah, early stages. This year was here. a down year, yeah. but you know they they made to the tournament and made noise in the tournament, and that's what the fans down in Orlando expect. That's what Coach Dawkins, you know, expects out of his team. So that's why I think if they get back to what they want to be, that's where I, I guess maybe you're right. He won't be an eighth man right off the bat, but if you know they recruit the portal pretty well, I don't know what recruits they have coming in as far as high school kids, but they get back to what they were, he's going to be an eighth or ninth man at best, and. He's gonna to have to change a little bit. He's gonna to have to to bulk up a little bit. Yeah. Um. Be ready a little bit more smash mouth basketball. Absolutely. Those guys box out hard down there. They play hard. A little more intense of a program down there. And like I said, I would have been okay with him maybe going to a smaller place, kind of being the star. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about UCF, they're a guy that kind of they're a team that relies a little bit more on their guards. Now, given they have lengthy guards, not crazy lengthy guards, but they do have lengthy guards. But Brandon Suggs, I see him a little bit more as a forward, maybe a small forward, sometimes a power forward. Um, don't see him much as a guard. Um, I don't think he's going to be the focal point of that offense because he had offers from places like UMKC, JMU, uh, South Florida, among many others, smaller schools like that, where he could have been the guy and been the leader. I just don't see him being the focal point here at UCF. And uh, he kind of fits Johnny Dawkins' style of basketball. Well, once again, it's just like it's not a chance. I don't think he gets better. I don't think he improves his stock going to UCF. No, I'm with you there. Yeah, like I said, I I think JMU. But why not? I mean, that's a it's obviously going to a smaller conference, but you know, it's not like he's going down to the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that'd be a place where you could kind of go and shine. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that would be. You know, there's nothing wrong with swallowing your pride and going down a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and there's been guys that have gone to smaller schools and done well in the NBA or snuck into an NBA draft 
after coming from bigger schools and transferring smaller. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a little puzzling, but, hey, um, I'm not sure if that's a little bit more close to home for him. I know he's from Georgia. I don't know what area of Georgia. Maybe it's an area that's closer to Florida. Maybe that has something to do with it. And uh, obviously the coaching turnover has something to do with it. But, yeah, it, it looks like the best available option in terms of program-wise, um, in terms of, like, the top program among the list. But, uh, yeah, just I don't think it's good for a stock in general. But moving on to kind of this breaking news that just broke. Mark Emmert announcing that after 2023, he would no longer be the president of the NCAA. Mark Emmert, a guy that gets a lot of criticism. Uh, a lot of guys didn't like how he handled COVID. A lot of people didn't like the fact we didn't get a college football playoff expansion. Uh, a lot of guys don't like the fact that I don't know if he's a part of the committee or not, but they constantly overlooked smaller group of five teams that probably deserved a nod when it came to the college football playoffs. Initial thoughts when it comes to Mark Emmert, no longer NCAA president after 2023. So I've kind of got two sides of this. One side is the NCAA, the only thing that's holding it together right now is that basketball tournament yep. and all that money it brings in because their schools want to leave the NCAA. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good. Maybe somebody else can come in and save this thing. And maybe revolutionize how we see the NCAA or how it operates. Exactly. I, mean, I think it's time for a restructure when it comes to how the NCAA oversees things, especially with now you're talking NIL deals and whatnot. Um, people have been begging for a college football play- playoff expansion. I think you left money on the table there. I mean, I think you missed out on a lot of money, big opportunities. Mark Emmert didn't seem to make a lot of great business moves on the outside looking in, just looking at the surface of things. So that one of the things you brought up is the one where I'm a little skeptical of him stepping down. Yeah. Is the NIL deals. Yeah. Obviously, this is new. Mm-hmm. This is something everybody's still trying to figure out exactly how it works. And I'm wondering if you change leadership at the top – could this cause more confusion than there already is? Yeah. Because I've said since the beginning when they came up with these NIL deals, it's like some of this stuff is good. It's wrong that someone who's on a music scholarship can go give violin lessons and get paid, but somebody who's on a tennis scholarship can't get paid to give tennis lessons. Yeah, so I agree with that. But this could really get out of hand Yeah. easily. Where absolutely. I mean, you literally have – I mean, you think Bama and stuff's powerhouses now wait Schools until, with the most yeah, money. Yeah, schools so, the most money can really thrive. In yeah, this so the fact that he was here when this started, I would like to see him stay here till it all kind of everybody gets used to it. So that part, I'm a little skeptical of him leaving. Kind of wish he was staying, but like you said, we need somebody to kind of revamp this thing. I mean, I don't know why the NCAA is failing. I mean, I do, but I mean, like, is Title Nine part of the reason it's failing? And yep. I know I'm going to get flack for that, but at the end of the day, it's Portal. like. Yeah, the portal is yeah. that the reason? And I, let me defend myself on the Title Nine before I get crucified. But my you're point, sexist, Philip. No, my <laughs> point in that is, teams, you know, colleges are losing money. That's why they want out of the NCAA. But could some of it be the fact that they have to have the same amount of women scholarship players when there's no women's sport that has 85 scholarships like football? And I'm not trying to get all into the political stuff, Title Nine. But my point is, well, I mean, is, but my point is, you got to get that political when it comes reason, to NCAA. No, yeah, that's true. But my point is, is that part of the reason that schools are losing money more so than the NCAA's fault? Or you know, it, there's obviously some things the NCAA is doing wrong 
and or are doing wrong, have done wrong. But at the end of the day, I mean, you should not be losing this much money on college athletics. Like I said, the only thing that's keeping money into their pockets right now is that uh, 68 basketball tournament that we all stop our lives to watch. Initial thoughts on this, Chris? Yeah, uh, I think the fact that there's not at least six teams in the college football playoffs is ridiculous. In my personal opinion, it should be at least eight teams. But the fact that it's only four, that's just ridiculous. So uh, I'm kind of glad. I don't know if this is going to bring some positive change or anything like that. But I'm just really looking at the college football playoff. needs to be at least six teams. And a little bit more development on that breaking news. Uh, Just broken by ESPN, NCAA President Mark Emmert will continue to serve until a new president is selected. And they got until June 30th of 2023, and if a new one is not selected, he will step down. Okay, so he could step down before then. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm going to build off Chris's point. So here's here's my problem with the, the college football playoff expansion. I firmly believe if you go undefeated, you've done nothing wrong. You deserve a chance to play for a national title, yep. no matter how many teams go undefeated. Yeah, I guess theoretically you could have fifteen. You could I have think, one out of each conference and all five independents. Yeah, I think with the exception but, of a few conferences. Yeah, but here's here's kind of my argument with that. Some of these college football playoff games have been horrible. Yeah, there's been a crap ton of blowouts. And if we expand, are we just asking for more bad football? You know, maybe so, but I think it also welcomes some competition that can step up to the occasion, kind of like the NCAA tournament. You look at the matchups looking in, you're like, hey, this might be some bad basketball going in. And then that's when you get your Cinderella moments in your Basketball's upsets. different, though, I feel like, than football. I think football, though, when it comes to the college football playoffs, I'm sure there's a few exceptions, but we haven't really got a chance to get those Cinderella moments and get those defining moments where the underdog ultimately won and overcame all odds, and it's just not the same. I mean, I don't have fond memories of the college football playoffs like I do the uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah, because they're always throwing teams like Notre Dame in there. And, I mean, I love Notre Dame, but, I mean, they get you know they're gonna every lose. year. Yeah. It's pretty much a buy for whatever team's playing Notre That's Dame. what's going to happen when you throw in an undefeated team out of the MAC as well. Yeah. Well, I don't. That, that's what I'm saying with the exception of a few conferences. Do you throw in teams like the Mac? Oh, you're I mean, just saying you put in more SEC schools is your point. You're saying uh, I, now I, I, Bama, yeah. Georgia, and Auburn all get in. I say it's it, it's complicated. I'm not going to get into it too much, but I, I, I'm not against welcoming more SEC schools, but I still think there should be a chance for group of five schools at least get a shot and opportunity. Like Cincinnati, if they go undefeated again or – if UCF had a run like they did a couple years ago, at least give them an opportunity where the playoffs is expanded, where they have a chance, at least have a shot for the title. That's a good point, because when you think about it, let's go back to 2007 and the Fiesta Bowl. Nobody gave Boise State a shot to knock off the mighty Oklahoma, who was number three yeah. in the country. I think Boise State that came could have been in a great eight. Cinderella moment in yeah. the playoffs. But yeah, they're obviously out of what was then the WAC, yep. which is pretty much the same teams as the Mountain West now, which is almost as prestigious of a conference as the American. They yep. were undefeated. They had beaten Georgia on the road that year. No, yep. I take that back. That was the year they beat TCU in the in the Fiesta Bowl, their second Fiesta Bowl when they beat Georgia. But anyways, they had proved that they had could kind of play that top competition. And you know, obviously, the famous Statue of Liberty to Ian Johnson, and you know, they win the game forty three forty two. So I guess you're right. You could have more teams like that. You know, whereas not putting in you know Liberty. Yeah, I I I don't think this news is necessarily shocking. I think people were calling for it anyways, and the writing was on the wall, especially when. You're talking like you need to head into a time now where you have to really restructure the NCAA. So we'll leave it at that. Coming up, previewing ECU's matchup tonight against NC State in Raleigh. Rain still in the area. 
Start time has been moved up to seven or moved back to seven fifteen. We'll have live pregame and play-by-play coverage coming up at seven o'clock. We're going to seven. On the other side of this quick timeout, baseball preview here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 943thegame.com. Remember the days when you could go to your favorite butcher shop and get your pork chops or steaks cut just the way you like them? Well, you still can. Acre Station Meat Farm on Highway 32 in Pinetown, north of Washington, is Eastern Carolina's traditional butcher shop. Acre Station is where you can get your order cut the way you want it. The best sausage, bacon, and pork chops and steaks you'll ever taste. The short trip to Acre Station is worth the drive. At Acre Station, you just get that good, friendly service you just can't find anymore. I guarantee it's the best sausage and bacon I'm here in the studio with Lance Clark of Bill Clark Homes, one of the largest home builders in Eastern Carolina. And much of the concentration has been right here in their hometown of Greenville and Pitt County. Lance, you guys have been doing this a long time. Yes, we have, Henry, and I appreciate it. Uh, Last year, we celebrated our 40th anniversary, which we're extremely proud of. And we are and have always been family-owned and operated. Lance, tell us why a homeowner would choose Bill Clark Homes to build their home. Well, one thing that we do that we're really proud of is we like to make the customer part of the process. We have our own design department where we draw our own plans so you can modify and make the house the way you would like it. And another thing is we have a one-stop shop design center with two professional decorators to guide you through that process. So, Lance, what's the price range that you focus on at Bill Clark Homes? Right now, our houses are from 160 all the way up to 500,000, and we have those houses in most school districts all around Greenville and Pitt County. For more information, contact BillClarkHomes.com. Whether you're enjoying dinner with your one or celebrating a special occasion with your group, do it at Caripsy Restaurant in Emerald Isle. Start with handcrafted signature cocktails, only $8 Monday through Thursday. Follow with an exceptional steak or delicious locally sourced seafood. Caripsy's menu changes frequently, allowing them to offer unique seasonal dishes. Caripsy now offers a new bar food menu and is proud to announce their famous crab cakes to go. Shipping details of these mouth-watering crab cakes coming soon. Dine with us Monday through Thursday, 5 to 9, or Friday and Saturday, 5 to 10. Takeout from 5 to 5.30. Reservations by calling 252-424-8400. Or give the gift of Caripsy by purchasing a gift card online at caripsyrestaurant.com. Caripsy Restaurant, 8921C Crew Drive in Emerald Isle. Hey, I'm Gray Fussell. I'm a fourth-generation winemaker at Dupa Winery and a proud alumnus of ECU. I'd love for you to visit with us in Rose Hill or North Myrtle Beach or look for our delicious fruity wines in your favorite store or on our website. As always, thank you for your support. And now that I work full-time with my dad, I understand why Mom enjoys a glass of our Hatter's Red every night. Thanks for drinking Duplin and go Pirates. 
Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color Salons are open and ready to serve you. Let your stylist make you look fantastic with a professional consultation, free shampoo included, and scalp massage, and a fantastic cut and style. And as safety is our top priority, rest assured we are constantly cleaning and have implemented social distancing procedures. Fantastic Sam's, affordable by design, caring by nature. Call for an appointment today with locations in Goldsburg, Kinston, Greenville, Newburgh, Moorhead City, Jacksonville, and Calabas. Tweet at us. Hey, you want to see our tweets? That's creeping me out. Follow us on Twitter for breaking sports news and what's going on around the Pirate Nation. We need you guys on Twitter. Twitter. It's 943 The Game on Twitter. Like we always do with this time. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barham filling in. Phil the Rev Hilton alongside me. And we're going to 7 o'clock as ECU baseball start time against NC State and Raleigh has been pushed back to 7.15. As there's inclement weather in the area, that means pregame and play-by-play coverage. Live pregame and play-by-play coverage will begin at 7 o'clock right here on 94 through the game. As immediately after we finish with Scott Rogers, Scooter, and Dr. Gary Overton in Raleigh and taking an early look at this uh, NC State-ECU matchup, a team we saw earlier in the year, and that was kind of a brutal, long-winded, cold game for not only the fans but ECU as I don't think NC State was anything special when it came to their hitting, but it was the fact their pitching was so stellar, and I think that's one of the more underrated aspects when it comes to NC State. And I think we're going to see a really good guy tonight. No starter announced for Wolfpack, I believe, yet. But uh, looking at their lineup and their rotation, even their bullpen, they have a handful of option of guys that they can go to and thrive well against ECU, mainly because in this recent weekend against Louisville, 11th-ranked Louisville, uh, they had guys that can go six or seven innings. So their they're arms that are in the bullpen that have had starts this year and had wins, they're pretty ready. They're pretty, they're pretty warm. Uh, they're ready to go, and they can come out right out the gate, and I think we could potentially see a really good sc- starter tonight despite the fact that we're not at the weekend and they might not use any weekend rotation guys. Garrett Payne will be the starter for see, NC that's, State, that's, so i got to go in here and look one. at his stats. I don't have it exactly. I got it. I got it in front of me here. Garrett Payne has a 5-12 ERA. Um, he has – let's see here. He has – he's so he's undefeated this year in terms of win-loss record, 3-0. Uh, let's see how many strikeouts he has. Never mind. Either way. Well, 512 ERA is not that good. I'm trying to pull not up great. the team stats here, but the, my phone is being, you know, being a goofball. So, um, but you never know. You know, he could be one of those guys. You know, he is a uh, yeah. a relief pitcher. He can be thrown in in some, you know, some wacky situations at well, different times. So you don't want to get too into saying that he's not a good pitcher. I'm trying to look up his no. other stats here. Well, if I can get this thing to work. Looking at the guys that went deep this weekend, Logan Whitaker in their first game pitched six innings against Louisville. They had Matt Whittleson pitch four innings, and Justin Lawson pitch, who I believe was their starter in that game, in the second game where they won. And uh, Cannon Silver, who gave some problems in that first game, and Clark LeClaire looked phenomenal in relief, pitched six innings in their latest game on Sunday, so I don't expect to see him tonight. But you have other guys who could be dangerous in their rotation and have proven they could be starters for NC State. And guys like Carson Kelly and uh, let's and let's see, Villeman. Chris Villeman is another guy. He's three and two this year, one point two nine ERA. Carson Kelly, one point three two ERA. 
Logan, Logan Whitaker, guy that started this weekend, but hasn't had a lot of outings starting on the mound, and he's has a 1.24 ERA. Justin Lawson played this weekend 1.15. So when you look at this rotation in general, uh, Baker Nelson, another guy, 1.56 ERA. Very low in the ERA numbers when it comes to their main rotation and bullpen guys in their starting rotation. And we could potentially see two or three guys a night that can give ECU a lot of problems, much like the first game. We'll just go into Payne first off. He's, uh, like I said, 5-12 ERA. This will be his fifth start, his 15th appearance. He is 3-0. and Yep. He's thrown 21 innings. He's or sorry, 31 innings. He's let up 31 hits, but he strikes out. He struck out 32. So he's getting about a strikeout an inning. Um, the opponent batting average is 254. So he's kind of a middle of the line pitcher, but he sounds like he can be kind of a boomer bust guy. He'll yep. strike you out, so he's tough to get a bat on the ball. But when you do, guys have been fairly successful against him. So this would be one of those where you want to have really disciplined plate appearances, especially early guy that if you can hit him early, you can hopefully get to him. So we'll see how that goes. Like I said, that three and zero, four starts. Obviously, he's not a guy who, when he starts, he goes long enough to get the win. But all you got to throw to get the loss is just one pitch. And if that one pitch is a tank and then you get pulled and your team never regains the lead or ties it up, you can get the loss. So obviously he has put him, his team in good enough situations where they've either come back to win every time he started or they've gone on to win. Or at least they've gone on to take the lead back at some point because he's yep. not been credited with a loss. So this is a guy that uh, has probably been pretty consistent for him and you're just going to have to get to him early. Well, I like how you brought up that ECU needs to have smart at-bats because when you have great pitchers and a great bullpen like that and ECU tends to play a smaller brand of baseball, uh, you have to have really smart at-bats because NC State can uh, just they can just unload on you when it comes to their offense and they're hitting at any moment. And the pitchers tonight for ECU don't have to be stellar, but they need to get the job done and be pretty steady and consistent. We've gotten word that Josh Groves will be the starter tonight. Looking at Josh Groves' stats here, Josh Groves, uh, two for four when it comes to wins and losses this year, 5.89 ERA. Um, hasn't Has shown at times that he could be great. Um, I think, uh, well, actually, we know earlier in the year um, he played good enough to be thrown into that start, uh, Sunday starting uh, uh, spot there in that weekend rotation and then kind of played his way out of it, and every once in a while come back in. 39 strikeouts on the year. Um, it's just it all, I think it all depends on how long you're going to get Josh Groves tonight because he did pitch on Sunday, I believe. How many pitches was it? He threw 32 pitches on Sunday, so you would think he'd probably throw, like we said earlier, no more than about 50 tonight. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking at least or at the maximum three innings for Josh Groves, and I think from the jump, he needs to be pretty solid. Otherwise, I think you're going to get a good idea how this ball game is going to go. Not to say that ECU can't come back if they get down early, but uh, when you tend to play a smaller brand of baseball against a team that has a lot of power hitters and a really good average for a team full of power hitters, they have collectively a 299 batting average. Um, that could potentially pose a lot of problems. And we saw earlier this year of Old Dominion, uh, we hang right in there of Old Dominion playing our smaller brand of baseball against a team that can unload on you on any moment, has a lot of power hitters, but ultimately fell short. You have to be not necessarily perfect, but you have to be consistent or consistent and dot your I's and cross your T's pretty much. Yeah, you definitely do. And uh, if you're kind of done with that point, I was going to move on a yeah, little bit. Ahead. Something yep. you brought up with Coach O earlier is, you know, and I 
people are going to stone me for saying this. Not that you don't want to win tonight, but at the end of the day, the biggest thing is you do not want to waste bullpen arms, I think, tonight. Yeah, don't buy too much into the rivalry game. Yeah, where it could hurt you for this weekend. Because at the end of the day, this is probably a one big league, which I guess at the end of the day kind of just means that the um, conference champion, conference is, champion yeah. is so how much does the regular season even mean? Obviously, you want to put yourself in a good spot once the conference tournament run comes around. But if at the end of the day, if the only team that's getting in is the conference champion, yes, this is our probably our best RPI booster the rest of the way, and we are kind of on the bubble right now. They have Tulane in us out, but yep. just barely out. It's the exact opposite going into the Tulane series. We were yeah. in, and Tulane was the first one out. Yeah, so. so this conference could get two, so this could be a big win. But at the end of the day, if you lose this game, it's not the end of the world. You want to make sure you win these conference games. And you have a big opportunity coming this weekend. I mean, yes, we're playing Cincinnati, who is and 7-5. We're and 8-4. Here's the thing, though. Tulane and UCF are also 8-4 in league play. And they play each other, and they so play we essentially have another number one in the conference standings, a sole number one in the conference standings. You definitely so, could. I mean, yeah. what you know, ECU's got to hope for is to sweep Cincy and hope that neither one of those teams pull out a sweep because obviously you would like to go in as the number one seed into the conference tournament and get you know as much help as you can get. But Play Memphis or somebody. Yeah, exactly. You'll play somebody at the bottom of the barrel, you know, kind of. Not that that always has helped us. We well, had last some highs. year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, even look back to you know the year before COVID hit, and this is going on to the next level and going to the regional tournament, and we play Quinnipiac and get beat by freaking Quinnipiac in the yeah. first game. Yeah. I know Quinnipiac had a baseball team. I thought they just had, like, hockey and basketball because it's in Connecticut. I never heard of them before that regional, to be honest with you. It was not familiar with Quinnipiac, but uh, it's a fun name to say. Let's just put it that way. But – uh yeah, I mean, tonight, I say don't buy too much into the rivalry. I know that's like uh, a sin almost to say to Pirate fans because it's NC State. It's such a big rivalry or whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, you would like to get a win in Raleigh tonight just for confidence sake, but it's all about the conference as we're looking at the media outlets now. And they basically have whoever's going to win the conference championship this year is who's getting a regional bid. And, uh, I guess if ECU plays well in their non-conference schedule moving forward and does well in conference and maybe loses the conference championship, maybe they sneak in, but I still think it's highly unlikely. And uh, you just need to worry about conference. Uh, it'll be nice to get a win tonight, but don't buy too much into it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's not many non-conference games left. I mean, including tonight, there's only three. You still have to host Duke and host Campbell. Yep. But those are not really RPI boosters. I mean, Duke is playing better, but they're still – you know, outside the top 100. And they're in a tough conference, too. Yeah, I mean. they're in a very tough conference. Of course, you know, if they sneak in the conference tournament, they could go on and win the conference tournament, but that's not really going to help ECU much. So I guess this is the biggest one, is to help you, like you said, if you lose that conference tournament game, but you play good enough out of conference, I guess this would be the game that means the most. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that Coach Godwin's just got to be smart and, you know, not get too caught up in this game. That's going to do it for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Special thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington and special thanks to interns Chris and Noah for chiming in. Did our uh, inaugural NFL roundtable. I thought that was a lot of fun. Great show today. It's going to be me all week, including Thursday, my birthday. Going to have a great draft special. A lot of draft talk this week. Some reactions to ECU baseball tomorrow. A lot in store for you on the Patrick Johnson Show. Be sure to tune in live at 5. And stay tuned on the other side of this quick timeout going out. Scott Rogers, Dr. Gary Overton, live from Raleigh as they prepare you for ECU versus NC State. 
the great ECU baseball matchup. Don't buy too much into it. That's going to do it for us here. Stay tuned for ECU baseball. I'm in the studio with my friend Sproul Alexander, who is the Senior Vice President for Town Insurance. And Sproul, people keep coming to Town Insurance. Tell us why. Henry, it's really simple. It's because of our insurance knowledge, our product choices, our ability to service our clients, and our community involvement. That's true. We see Town Insurance everywhere. But now let's talk about the choices. What kind